Hey, it's Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice, and you're about to listen to an audio version of an interview I've done on my streamcast on Twitch. Now, if you'd like to see the video along with it, you can find it in the links below, or you can just go to my YouTube channel, Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice. Hope you enjoy it. By the way, this is Nolan North. I, I, I don't really start my interviews anymore. We just start talking, and then I they just can, edit them later. Of, they can see us now, right? They can see you, and they can see the words Nolan North under your face, so I'm, you know... Yeah, down there, down there. So you spelled uh, it right, right? Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, it's N O O R T H E with an umlaut. That's how they do it at, that's how they do it at Starbucks. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I literally tell people I say my name is Bob. But when I go to Starbucks, how can Bob, you? Because because I get Roland Noel, Noland with a D, which you just should get punched in the face for that. Yeah. That yeah, how do you like Roland? I'm like no, not like Roland. Like no, Nolan. 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 I mean L E N I N. I got N O L O N once, and I was like, really? And she's like, and, and she's like, she goes, oh, your name is the same backwards and forwards. I'm like, actually, it's not. But it's, the way you spelled it, it is not in thank you, in. Thank you, radar. Yeah, on the planet you live on, yes, it is. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of other things that are true where you come from, but uh, not here on planet Earth. Um, <laughs> that Nolan. Sounds like colon, but not spells like colon. And smells the same. Yeah. <laughs> hey, am I ever going to get a PC? No, probably not. Because I'm... Did you, did you ever have one before? Yeah, years ago, uh, like in 03. Years ago, I, had one. I think, I think, well, they, they, I don't think people realized there was never a We didn't have choices back then. Yeah. I mean, you know, a Mac was this unattainable thing. They're expensive as hell. They're still expensive as hell. But mm. I got like a, I don't know. I just bought a new one. You just bought a new Mac? Yeah, so did I. I just bought, I'm, I'm actually coming to you for my new Mac because, yeah. uh, get this, my last one? Yeah. <laughs> 11 years old. Well. Yeah. 11? Yeah, I, yeah, I had actually, mine. It's actually right behind me back there. Uh, it's it's 11 years old, I, and it would no longer. What is it, sitting on top of the Ark of the Covenant? That's right. It's a kidding me? It's, it's made of straw. Yeah, it's, uh, it's made of wicker. The funny thing is, it lasted yeah. that long, but it it no longer would take the, uh, you know, especially since what we're going through, um, yeah, the, the the coronavirus. I had to get all this equipment and everything to uh, to, to set up to not only you know podcast, but uh, get my home studio set right. up, which technically isn't actually going to even be here. I had to use. I'll talk to you later about that. Guy, yeah, sure. Closet. I had to go and all this stuff. All these the, the peripherals, yeah. Um, <laughs> they apparently need proper computer support. Yeah. So uh, I was like, oh, I'm kind of screwed. I actually found my old laptop. I tried to charge it for 48 hours, and it's like, no. And yeah, it's it's, it's an <laughs> old man. Julius Caesar. You kidding me? Yeah, it's an old man in a wheelchair. You know, on like five tanks of oxygen. It's like, can you run a few laps for me, Granddad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I had a laptop. That was five years old or seven years old, which was already yeah. astonishing. And I had a, a desktop that was about five years old. And they said, yeah, um, those are way too old. And I thought they shouldn't be, you bunch of pricks. You guys make them so they won't last that long, but it's your problem. You can make, they, oh. can, they can make a lot of things that last a lot longer than they do. Well, so, hey, yeah. any of the, the, the retro replay group out there, yeah. my replayers, <clears throat> Follow my buddy. This is uh, Chris Edgerly. Voice in the, in the in all the uh, ancillary voices in The Simpsons. Yeah, that's uh, it's 
it's so great, man. I remember when you got that gig, I was like, oh, oh man, I, I, yeah, and I always said everybody's career, no matter how large or small or brief mm-hmm. or broad it is, has some sort of uh, golden goose. There's one gig that is the best gig you'll ever have. And a lot of times you don't know what it is until your career is kind of on the wane until it's maybe wrapping up and you look back and you go, oh, that was the greatest thing I ever did. That was right. the the thing that took the best care of me and my family, the thing that I did for the longest, the thing that I had the most fun doing. For me, as soon as I got the gig, I realized this will be the greatest thing I ever get to do. And this yeah, is, absolutely. yeah, I mean, there's not even been a question and I've done some really it's, fun it's, things. It's nice to be, it's nice to be aware of that at the time. You know? Immediately aware of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard not to be aware of it when you're surrounded by everyone in the room having won an Emmy and, <laughs> and then the show having already been on for over 20 years, you're thinking, I, I, I probably should bring my A game today. Um, yeah, but that's a good yeah. position to be in, don't you think? Oh yeah. It seems like, it's like, well, I'm, I'm sitting here with. Pretty much all the, the stars. Yeah. And uh, they got nothing left to prove. So no, it'll no. be pretty damn, pretty damn cool. It's, it's, people ask me, I say, it is exactly as cool as you think it is. It is as fun as you think it is. And has it gotten old? No, it will never get old. What's it like hearing your voice on the show, seeing your name in the credits? It's exactly as cool as you think. It's kind of like, kind of like being the face of a video game franchise the face and the name of a franchise well more than one but you know uncharted i always said uncharted was your golden goose but you probably have a couple i would think no 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 i think you only get one goose unless you're you're uh you know harrison ford yeah Uh, he's got a couple but yeah um i think i think for for me that was undoubtedly the the main one that you know, people will remember me by, um, and that's great. You know, it's over 10 years of my life, uh, doing yeah. that. And then, um, and you know, the funny thing is it just was, it was one of those things where I had no idea what it was when it started. You know, I tell people like that the uncharted, the first one is not uncharted one. It was yeah, just uncharted Drake's fortune, you know, and, and you, you only hope that you have two. Yeah. And so many people ask me, like, well, what is your what's your favorite one to do? And I, it's like it's it's a simple answer. It's number three. And they're like, what? But what about the others? I'm like, well, no, it's and they're always surprised that I answer so quickly. And I put it this way. It's like it's like high school. Uh-huh. Freshman year. Nobody knows you. You're new and you go in there and you make Drake's fortune. Mm-hmm. Sophomore year comes along and Uncharted 2 happens and it becomes one of the biggest hits ever right now, for, now, the, now freshman year was good because drake's fortune they say that game and i'm not putting it on me if this is naughty dog this is amy hennig this is uh you know they say it's the game that saved the ps3 oh really because, yeah because uh xbox was uh was kicking ass and taking names here in the u.s and uh that game uh became so popular um that that franchise became so popular that they say that that's uh, that's what I've been told. So, um, but Uncharted Two sophomore year comes along and wow, it's great. Now you're you're you know you're basically you just got you're the class president, you're the captain of the football team, you're you're, right. you're the lead in the school play, you're you're everything you could you could possibly want it to be, and then um, 
you realize they're going to make three and you know they're making four. So oh, right. you walk into three, it's like we're getting the gang back together. Uh, Graham McTavish, who became, oh, yeah. I, I became friendly with at CSD when mm-hmm. we, you and I used to have to go down there and audition yeah. uh, at, on the marble. We'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. yeah, we'll definitely get into it. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things where uh, Graham was Lazarevich in Uncharted 2. He uh-huh. became, uh, we became such good friends that he became Cutter. Drake's best friend okay. in Uncharted 3. All right. So uh, Uncharted 3 was just a, a hoot. I mean, it was just so much fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I knew there would be a fourth one. Now, the fourth one was it had some controversy around it, but it was still a great time uh, to make. Uh, and But I knew it was it was the last. So, right. Um, it, it just was... Uh, so that 3, yeah, that's, uh, that's the one that kind of you know, really... I don't know, just uh, it sticks in my mind as, as, you know, in terms of just going to work and yeah, laughing your butt off all day. Right. Well, that, and that is a good feeling, too. I, I think we're like in in uh, in that way, particularly when you know you're in the middle of something good. It's already proven and you know there's going to be more of it. So it's every time we would get a contract renewal for The Simpsons. It's usually for two years. Uh, I think my very first contract with them was for three years. And for me, getting that, like for, for Uncharted, I read for Uncharted. I think we all did. I think we all read for Uncharted. We had to go down and jump through an obstacle course and do the lines and all that. And I thought, yeah, I don't know. I guess I got a shot. But I, I see the way the character looks. And I thought, I think I know who's going to have a better shot at this. So, and, and because when you see the way the character's drawn up, and he's a smart ass and uh, you know he he it's i thought this is typecasting here they've got exactly the right guy i got three polar bears three big great pyrenees <laughs> do you have a big yard for them yeah okay you're lucky yeah. i have never yeah. been so jealous of people with yards that that's we why, that's why i moved i moved out of um, the area I moved out of uh, you know the places where you can't there's no space i got i got outside la to yeah. People say, oh, it's a longer drive. I'm like, yeah, but you know, especially now, it's like, I don't have to go to work. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> Nobody does. The, we have always, uh, we've always lived like Europeans. We love to go outside and walk to the village and walk to do everything. It's my favorite thing. So I miss that right now. But the one thing I've always wanted is a yard. And um, I could pay what I'm paying, which would get me a house in a yard out where you are. Or I could get a, you know, I don't know, two-story condo and have a sort of a view and be exactly yeah. where I want to be. So I, of course. Yeah, but you always, you always knew where you wanted to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, you always had, I mean, I remember you talking about the areas that you, yeah. you were like, oh, if I'm going to buy, it's always going to be. Yep. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I circled it. Location, location, location. It's everything. Of course, you know, then, then that pandemic uh, curve gets thrown at you and you think, I think living out in the yeah. middle of nowhere is not so bad, huh? It's not. You know what's funny is people always used to say that they're like, "Hey, you never have parties, you never come hang out, you're antisocial." And now I'm socially responsible. Yeah. So. Well, the funny thing for me is when I see pro athletes will do a PSA and talk about social distancing, which they should do because everybody should be doing it. But Ben Roethlisberger had one where he says, "Yeah, we're all stuck inside. Here's what we're doing," and I'm seeing him go around his mammoth dining room table and i see outside there must be an acre of unobstructed land and i thought yeah that uh 
being homebound has got to be a real chore for you there, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, I, I, yeah. You know, if there's anything good about this whole virus uh, here in California, it's like you finally get to see what this state would look like with you know less traffic. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of a terrible situation. Yeah. I know a lot of people are suffering, but. Yeah. Um, I also don't think people understand what, <laughs> what it's like to drive out here. Sometimes, like, wow, I had to yeah. go out this morning to get some uh, get some supplies. And right. I, for, I, I tell my wife I'm going foraging. Yeah. And did me take the gloves and the mask and everything. I'm like, did you? Yeah. The mask doesn't help, and she's like, I don't care, take it. Uh, it actually, what we're learning is it does help. Uh, one reason why they said it didn't help is because they didn't want everyone buying them because the health professionals yeah. really need them. Like I went out for a jog this Do you morning. Have any? We have N95 masks from years ago. I don't know why Gigi, my wife told me because I was going to clean under the sink and we didn't know if there was going to be mold. And my mom said, get N95 masks. So we have a yeah. box of these things. We have like eight of them. And well, you know what's funny? Yeah. We, I, we're the same way, you know, uh, a year ago, yeah, um, a little over a year ago, we were displaced by the Woolsey fire. Yeah. Here. Yeah. So, I mean, everything behind me was, this was all, I mean, I had to, we had to get everything out. Yeah. Uh, everything. I mean, you know, construction crew came in and ripped up all the carpeting and, and we had to have, repaint everything, which thank you insurance didn't pay for my painting. Stupid. Um, but you know, all kinds of stuff uh, we had to do and, I found a box of N95 masks because yep. during the cleanup, because they say things are going to get worse here in the next week it's, to 10 days. Uh, yeah. The curve here in California. Yeah. Especially because uh, I think there's going to get worse in a lot of places where people don't think it's a big deal. Um, it's a big deal. This, this thing doesn't have a, no, uh, you know, we just have to ride this out for as long as it takes, but social distancing, I think it'll be easier here in easier. Why did I sound like that? Yeah, easier my If you have a little pony and a little mule you have inside your house, you can feed them. That's how we stay inside. What do you think? I was going to, I have a hot tub. I was going to get a cigar and go in there and start doing it. I'm here with my dogs. I'm, I'm, I'm self-quarantining. I'm sheltering yeah. in place. I know. I I, California. This is the hard part is that they ask famous people to reinforce the idea of social distancing, right. which again, they should be doing. But every famous person lives on about a fucking acre and they can't help but show you all the room they have. They need to go with like somebody who used to be famous, who now lives in a two bedroom in the middle of East Hollywood. But I think it's, I think it's better here in California because we do have a little bit of distance. I mean, you think about- we do. You know, uh, it's so bad in Italy, and it's like it's such a social culture. It's such a here. You know, we joked about driving, but people don't realize yeah. people will drive down their driveway to get their mail rather than walk. You know, it's, interesting. Uh, you know, it's yeah, like the, the homeless have auto premiums. Yeah, it's like it's it's ridiculous. So, um, I think the fact that we have more separation. San Francisco is very congested. New York City, very congested. Yeah. I think that those those areas are going to be uh, yeah. where people have to be the most careful. Yeah, and in Italy, they were not taking the lockdown seriously because like you said, if you just say hello to someone in Italy, you're getting a second base. We got to... we got the social distance. Yeah, because I know on the chat here, I want to know where everyone is watching from. Yeah, look at We got Mexico. We got Ohio. Rhode Island. Got a, got a Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Hey. Check out this. I got this recently. It's a Starbucks 
series, and I'm actually drinking my coffee this morning from the Rhode Island Cup. There you go. Look at that. It's beautiful. It's got Narragansett Bay. It's got the Tennis Hall of Fame. What is that, Shreveport? Except it doesn't have Bigfoots, pancakes, and family fare. Yeah, Rhode Island is... Reservoir Avenue. Rhode Island's basically one city, right? Basically? I mean... town. Yeah, yeah. What's the capital? Where in Rhode Island you're from? I'm like, anywhere, 10 minutes outside Providence. Yeah. Everything 10 minutes outside Providence. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. Your Uncharted gig. Once you had that gig, I remember that happened for you, what was it, like around 07 maybe? 06, 07? Yeah, it was... Uh, Ish? Yeah, I think it was 07 um, that that happened. Because I had actually, I thought the big break was, remember, uh, TMNT. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, was, yeah. Uh, seven, and it was, yeah. Uh, you know, they put uh, me and... Uh, James Arnold Taylor. James Arnold Taylor, Mitchell Whitfield. And, and Mikey Kelly. Mikey Kelly. Yeah. And, you know, you know, none of us made the poster. Uh, you know, it was, it was Sarah... Uh, yeah. You know, Gell- Sarah Michelle Geller and yeah. Patrick Stewart. Chris Evans. Right. I remember. But um <clears throat> didn't matter. You know, we thought that was going to be kind of a big deal. Um, oh, just, Look at that big boy. Hopper. Yeah. Hopper. He, he's big. He is a big one. And say, see if I can uh, oh, what's up, buddy? What's up, buddy? Huh? Oh, 140 pounds. Really? Yes. And he likes to go under another desk in the corner. Here you go. Go on, go on. It's all good. Let me get that situated for you. He's going to get himself nice and comfy and nice on that. So, mm. how are, we? are we? Are we back? Are we back get you, get yourself a nice fluffy dog to pet there. Mm. Right, it's a nice dog. Mm. <laughs> Just lonely, I guess. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to teach him to walk backwards. Look at me like a cyclops. <laughs> Say that. <laughs> <laughs> Say that, son. Hey there, Fudge Eye. How you doing? <laughs> Maybe. Name that dog Spider Bite. <laughs> Name that dog Mud Whistle. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what you people don't know. All right. This is uh, this is welcome to On the Marble. Yeah, right around two thousand, the end of two thousand and two. <laughs> I can't believe we brought that shit back. Yeah, why not? Why not? What the hell? What are they gonna do? Hmm. Um, right around the end of two thousand and two, I was at KSA, Kazarian Spencer and Associates. And were you ever with them? Yes. Right at the end. Okay, but that I didn't meet you there. Listen, I just talked to Miley Flanagan about this. Okay. It was you, me. Fred Tattashore, Keith Ferguson, Keith Ferguson. Miley Flanagan, uh-huh. um, and a couple others that our, our esteemed agent, Pat Brady. Pat Brady, um, reason I have a uh, career. I remember her calling me in and saying, uh, I'm, I'm going over to CESD. It's been mm-hmm. great to see. It's a better opportunity. So I just wanted to let you know. And everything. I said, well, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate the, the start. Um, uh, who will be handling me there? And there was this pause, and she was like, you're coming with me, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, great. Thank God. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know something? You know, we talked about Uncharted, but that may have been uh, a bigger break 
Yeah, for both uh, of just us. Ha- just having, um, having yeah. I'm going to move that camera. Uh, just having, um, you know, Pat Brady be part yeah. of uh, my life. Yeah, the biggest, yeah, the biggest, yeah, biggest break I've ever had is Pat Brady signing me. And I tell people, everybody says, how do you get into the business? How do you get to where you are? There are a lot of factors, but you don't do it by yourself. And I can trace back to, in in five or six moves, if I go back in time to these pivot points, these slingshot points where you get new momentum, I can go all the way back in about five or six moves to me picking up the phone in Orlando, Florida and cold calling an an agent in Orlando, Florida to getting to where I'm on the Simpsons, five or six moves. And it's, I picked up the phone, I called up an agent and in Orlando, you can cold call an agent and they'll give you a meeting. And so in 93, especially. So I get a meeting. Very much into furries. (laughs) Yeah. Do you mind doing non-union industrial, they may never pay you stuff out in the Everglades for a paint company? Sure. You and 80 other people are going out for it. Good luck. So, yeah, that's Orlando. But they, I cold call them. They give me a meeting. They hire me based on a monologue I do. And then flash forward really? to, yeah, yeah. They, they have you come in. You do a monologue. And they say, yeah, I'll work with you. All right. You know, you, you know what you're doing. You're already doing stand-up. You have a drama minor in college. I know you've done a few things at least, so you're not an idiot. So, And then flash forward to, because I'd been working with them, I had gotten known to a couple of production companies around town doing voiceover. So I'm doing scratch tracks at Sound Deluxe in Orlando for the Spider-Man ride, which is not going to come out until 99. So based on doing the scratch tracks, the director of the ride says, you know, I like the Spider-Man voice you did. I want you to be Spider-Man on the ride. Okay, so now I'm Spider-Man. Cut to 2000. The ride's already opened. I've moved to L.A. and I don't have an agent. And John Rust. You know, I've turned down on-camera stuff because it does A, it's just not as fulfilling. And, and B, it's just not as, uh, doesn't, well, quite frankly, won't pay as well. Yeah. And, you know, they, everybody, that always, we want first position. It's like, I'm sorry, what I do takes first position, so. It's funny because people will still ask me, hey, would you take a role on a voice acting thing if it was this and this? And my answer is, unless it's for like a, a commercial for a, a political candidate that I know nothing about, the answer is yes. This is still a volume business. We still read for a lot of mm-hmm. things. Yep. And I generally have the time to do all the work they're going to give me. Although I have, there are some things I don't audition for because they tax my voice too much and I have to leave it pristine for The Simpsons above everything else. So a lot of video games I backed of audition, I backed off of auditioning for because I think you coined the term. This is, I look at the, the breakdown and I say, this is going to be a blood throat. I can't read for this. I, I, yeah, I can't shout incoming for four straight hours anymore. I'm sorry. Well, a lot you of know. times now they say, yo, look, you know, and I'll look at them and I think you and I probably have got the, the time served, so to yeah, speak, yeah. That you just basically go, look, it's the law of diminishing returns. Yeah. Uh, can I stream for four hours? Yeah. Two, you're going to get quality. Right. Um, you know, I, but uh, uh, honestly, it was like, I, I don't remember the last time I, you know, those, I don't really have too many of those things where they, they need like, like we did in the early days where it was yeah. Call of Duty. Oh, um, yeah. I think Call of Duty Big Red One was the only one where I actually lost my voice doing. I did a Russian who talked like this. Oh yeah. Vasily, and it was really Vasily, get down. Yeah. And because I affected the voice like this, and I started screaming. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, 
because my own voice, I can scream, no problem. Yeah. Um, but oof, yeah, that other shit, that was that was. Well, um, it's so, but I don't. It doesn't. You know, and the funny thing is, it's like that's. You know, if that's what's considered "quote unquote" like an entry level for yeah. voiceover, there's plenty of actors who who want to get in, and and mm-hmm. you know, they, you gotta you gotta be willing to do that. We you right. and I, we did that for years. I did. You know? Yeah, I've done over a hundred games, and at least ninety of them, I don't know if I would go out for anymore. I'd look at it and say. Yeah. I know what this is going to be. I mean, this is, there's no way it can't be anything else. So yeah, you, yeah, yeah, I, that's true. yeah let the 27 year old me do that. Who He's, he's up for it. <laughs> He'll do it. That was the same guy who was partying with the wait staff out in Erie, Indiana, who didn't give a shit about anything. So, exactly. you know, yeah, yeah, at the club. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Let's go. Yeah. So, but I remember the only time I've ever technically lost my voice after a game, oddly enough, was doing Flight Simulator. There's no yelling in Flight Simulator, except for when you decide to press down on the yoke for too long. And yeah, now we need you to go, ah, for about five seconds. How did you lose your voice on that? Well, the odd thing is, it's just four straight hours of very measured tones talking like a pilot. And the next day, I had my falsetto and I had my bass. So I could do this and I could do this. My mid-range, gone. Completely gone. For one day. Yeah, you know they say that whispering is harder than... than yeah, whispering is actually... Yeah, if you don't do it properly, <clears throat> whispering will tax your vocal cords more because it's a rasp like the like the Russian character you did. So, yeah, I lost it for one day and then it came back, but it kind of freaked me out. I thought, wait a minute, I thought it was only after screaming. Um, I probably was not using very good breath control and I was probably, you know, because I, I screamed for three straight days as Paul Walker for a movie he did right to do ADR and I had to replace every screaming curse word. And it was in a movie where he cursed just about every line and he screamed every line and I get there and I'm starting to do the lines and I'm screaming from my diaphragm so I can save my voice. And the ADR director said, no, nah, in the movie he's screaming from his throat. So you have to scream from your throat. And I thought, ah, oh. do you know what I was talking about? I was telling someone the other day, back in the day, how we used to do voice matches. Yeah. And, and what oh, yeah. like, a lot of people don't know that there'd be like eight to 10 guys, sometimes more. I've never told this story. Called at the same time. Yeah. I, yeah. Everybody shows up at two o'clock and then you literally would parade in one at a time and then go back and wait. And all 10 guys would be. And then someone come in and go, thank you, everybody. You're all wonderful. We're going to go with Chris today. Yeah. And like, all right. And nobody really was like pissed off. It was like, oh, good for yeah. You. Yeah. Well, if you were lucky, that's how it worked. I remember one time we used to go out to Sony and I remember there was one time where there were about five or six of us there. I don't think you were there and it wouldn't have mattered if you were there because it was a David Spade voice match. And I was looking around to see if James Arnold Taylor was there. And I said, okay, guys, huddle up. If James Arnold Taylor doesn't show up, one of us will get it. But as soon as he shows up, we can all go home because he sounds exactly like him. And and it had been about 20 minutes and we're waiting around. And then I see coming around the corner. It's James. And I went, hey, James, I'll see you guys later. And James just sort of smiled and said, hey, what's up? What's up? And he goes in and five minutes later. And I said, as he was inside, I said, guys, I hate being right, but just wait for it. And he comes out and he says, so how you guys been? How's it? He's just chatting. And then on his heels, the producer comes out and says, thanks, everybody. We're going to go with James. And I just, you know. Yeah. 
There are some times yeah. when that happens. Have one guy, the new guy, who's like, hey, you didn't even listen to me. You know, it's like, I like, don't have to. Yeah, I don't need he to. He sounds more like David Spade than David Spade. Yeah, it's like, guys, this is due 20 minutes ago. Close. Okay, yeah. Um, there was one time. Well, I remember. I, you know, which one? Which one did you do? All right. There was one where you and I went in and we were the only ones there. And first of all, I voice matched a, an actor named Gabriel Macht. Uh, and he's been in a few things and I was literally the only guy that showed up. They kept waiting around. They said, I, I don't know. It's not like the directions were hard. Where is everybody? And I just sat there and they finally came out after an hour and they said, well, you know, you were pretty close. So, Hey, you got it. And so I showed up and I booked I'm the only one here. I'm the only one here. And they said, yeah, you yeah. were pretty close anyway. You might've gotten it anyway, but so one time you and I went to Sony and I think it was ADR three in the larger room and it was for Vince Vaughn for um, Mr. And Mrs. Smith. I remember that. And that was probably literally a coin flip. I mean, I do a pretty good Vince Vaughn, but I'm sure you do too. And I, I booked that one and I still get little tiny Mr. And Mrs. Smith checks, but there was another time. No, and well, no, I, I, I didn't, I, I don't do a good one. Do you, okay. Does a really good one. Uh, do you know Todd Stashwick? No, I don't know. I don't know him. Todd Stashwick is a buddy of mine. Uh, he, he was um, most recently on like 12 Monkeys. He's he's done a bunch of stuff. Right. Um, and he is from Chicago. Uh-huh. And he nails... Uh, he was probably on a TV series back then, so he didn't come yeah. to those things. We were reading yeah. for But he's, he nailed it. He, right. He's, he's like, he just sounds just like him. I don't know. Okay, you know? yeah. There was a period where you and I were going out for the same voice matches with some other people and you were just getting yeah. all of them. You had a run where you got John Travolta, you got Lars Ulrich in Get Him to the Greek and you got Christopher Walken. Any Christopher oh, I Walken. About Lars Ulrich. Uh, Christopher Walken I did six or seven times. Yeah, like and I yeah. do a pretty good Christopher Walken, but a lot of people don't realize I, my Christopher Walken's sure do, Yeah, Chris. it's you know it's not bad. It just depends on the gig. It depends on what you're talking about. Because it sounds like it yeah. sounds like Christopher Walken doing a Chris Edgerly impression. Yeah, you have to filter it. The thing about it is, <laughs> all the ADRs that keep they always want yeah. the smaller lines. Yeah, so it was really down here. Right. They got it. Yeah. They took a crazy. They killed a girl. That was the one. That they got it. I will tell you something though. Of all the ones I've ever done, watching it back, John Travolta is. Is probably the best ADR impression I can. You've do. ever done, okay? Uh, because I was with uh, Tony Scott. I worked mm -hmm. with him, God rest his soul. Um, yeah, a number of times, uh, to the point where one time when we were, I was walking out of a WB session. Tommy, the the, um, uh, the sound engineer there, uh, I said, "Hey, Nolan, I got a Christopher Walken fan in here," and I was like, "Ah, who is it? It's, it's my buddy Tony." I'm like, "Tommy." <laughs> Get a man. I was just doing all the thing, and these guys. I walk out, and it's Tony Scott. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing? Um, are you busy?" And he put me in deja vu. Oh, really? My voice. And we ended up working. I had worked on it with him before. Nice. Man on Fire over the phone. Okay. Doing Christopher Walken. He said, right. "That was you." Yeah. Then we he puts me in deja vu. Just uh, if anybody ever watches the movie, there's a part where the girl comes home and she presses the answering machine, and I'm. Her ex-boyfriend. Okay. On the answering machine. It's just my voice. All right. And I worked with him a number of times after that. And um, taking a Pelham one two three 
was by far, I remember we were doing scratch for Travolta mm-hmm. and, um, and sadly his son died oh. while we were doing it. And Tony called me and he said, I need you to finish this because Tony Scott never, ever had one of those movies like, Hey mother Fletcher, where he, yeah. he, he would recut his film for airplanes and broadcast television. Mm-hmm. So he sat me down and he just said, we're going to, I need you to finish the film. It's going to be your voice. Uh, he's not going to, he's not going to, we're not going to ask him to, to scratch it. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, and, and I remember, I remember one time it was like, what are you going to do, Carver? Are you going to shoot me? And, and you put that with his face. And I remember turning, I went, my God, that sounds just like him. Yeah. And they, he just looked at me and he started laughing. He goes, and I think it was uh, the casting director, Juno. Is it, is it remember Juno? I think so. Juno? I think so. Juno looked at me and she goes, that's why we cast you. And I'm like, I know, but that's really close. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a fresh. And it's like, you know, it's not Vinnie Barbarino. It's not like some kind of yeah. People, know, funny impression. Yeah. It's, People think it's they have just, to do the Dana Carvey impression of Travolta. You know, yeah, it's like really weird. It's like, no, he's not a sweat hog. Yeah. It's it's. I, I even talked about this before. People think doing ADR voice matching is an impression. No, not really. It's just an easy way to say it. But voice matching is on the day, the way that actor sounded, you have to sound. That actor might not even be able to recapture it on the day. It's you've got to come in and you've got to do exactly what they had and you've got to recreate it. And you were able to, and it's a very technical skill. And so, yeah, you heard Travolta, you heard your voice, and you said, I'm going to tweak it this way, and it slots right in. Yeah, and, 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 and that's the thing where, that's why I think it, I never felt upset or rejected when we had those kind of sessions, because yeah. it wasn't that you, and I tell pe- anybody who wants to be actors this all the time, don't look at it like it, we don't want you. We just want yeah. someone else more. Yeah. They fit better. They fit right. what we need. Yeah. And, and I think that when you make that distinction, it takes out this, the whole, you know, um, is this personal, uh, you know, I, I'm no. sitting around the room, we would all walk out. And the great thing is like, I remember you and I did that one time and we didn't, uh, and I think Fred was there too. Yeah. And, and we didn't, none of us got it. Didn't we end up going to get beer? A couple Probably or something. something. Or something. Why, I, it was a while yeah. ago, but I mean, I think we just, and we were like, thank God we get that job because we ended up going and getting some food and we had yeah. a good time. So I, the only other one I remember, I, I remember doing, I forgot about Lars Ulrich. That's, that's, that was the one. Now. Yeah. I remember thinking, you know, there are not a lot of us here, you know, there's a good chance of this. I think I could do it and I probably do a pretty good Lars Ulrich, but it's not as good as the Nolan North Lars Ulrich. It on fits this scene on that day, but that's the thing. It's, it's like in sports. I, but I couldn't, I don't even know what he sounds like. I did Sam Shepard once. And I'm like, hell man. Ooh. Yeah. Well, he's it's a lot, he's a lot higher than you. Yeah, he's up, up higher. I always say it's like in sports. Oh, we got a bunch of bad calls. It's like, yeah, but over the course of a season, the calls even out. So, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't sound that great on the day. Tomorrow, you're going to sound better. You're going to get that one. I mean, there was one where we went in. I think Fred was there. I don't know if you were there. And it was for a Travolta movie, but it was not Travolta. It's for a Travolta movie, Basic which I still get tiny checks for. We always get these tiny checks. Hmm. This movie was from like 2000, I think, or 02, or it might've been, 03. no, it was 03. They wanted Giovanni Ribisi. So I watch whatever I can of Giovanni Ribisi the night before. We go to the dub, we go to Warner Brothers. We sit in the room. And if you're lucky, you get to go in for one at a time. But sometimes you all sit down together in a room. They had us on an L-shaped couch. There are about eight of us. 
And the guy comes out and he goes, all right, here on the screen is Giovanni Ribisi's scene. Now, before the casting meeting started, there was a guy hanging out with all of us who was auditioning, and he sounded exactly like Giovanni Ribisi. We all knew it, and he knew it, and he was doing more talking than anybody else because he knew if, if there's ever any psych outs going on in the voiceover world, and it usually doesn't happen, this would have been this has been would have been one of those times. And I thought I probably would have done it too. He sounds exactly like him. I'm sitting here listening, going, "I'm not going to get this thing." He sounds exactly like him. So then they sit us all down. They play the scene, and in the scene, Giovanni Ribisi is in the hospital. He's all drugged up. And he's speaking a lot slower, and his voice is lower, and yeah, I, I, I'm all drugged up. And I realized, that doesn't sound like Giovanni Ribisi. That sounds like Giovanni Ribisi all drugged up. And you could see the poor guy. All the piss went out of him. Because he didn't, <laughs> it's like, that's not how I sound. And the, the casting director said, okay, so here's the scene. All right, everybody see it? There's the line we want to do. All right, we're going to watch it one more time. There's the scene. There's the line we want to do. You guys good? Okay, good. All right, go. <laughs> and the first guy went, what? And he goes, do the line. And the casting director's got his eyes closed and he's just listening. So the poor guy in front of the other seven people has to do it. And I'm exactly in the middle. So that by the time they get to me, I'm not That's the deer terrible. in headlights. It's awful. And I've booked two jobs like that where everybody is sitting there. And the first guy, he says, go. What I what do the what line? That? Yeah, that's not fair. That's like that's like watching a chorus line. All right, you you you. Thank you. Go yes. home. Show me jazz hands. Yeah, jazz, jazz hands. hands. Okay, not good enough. Go home. So, yeah. on the day, on any other day, that guy would have walked out there with the job. Yeah, not that day. I, you know, somebody asked me. They said, "Hey, do you still do those?" And I'm like, "No, dude, I do." And I felt bad. I'm like, I didn't want. I just. I don't really get called for those anymore. And if it's, I don't know. It's just, it, it, it's. It, I still get them all the time. They're coming along like just voice well, matches. Okay, yeah. You, you can, I mean, you, you've always been very good at that. I mean, so yeah. It's a part of what I do. Something. Yeah. Let me, let me turn the tables on here. Let me, uh, yeah. Bit, uh, interviewing you, Chris Andrew. Uh, there he is. Look at that. How did you get that far with a lazy eye? Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, uh, the other eye works twice as hard. Your Bosco twice a day, chocolate milk, good for you after a workout. Back here with uh, Chris Angeli. Nolan and I go all the way back to like early 03 is when like I think we came on each other's radars because I was aware of you at CESD. I was not, I don't think I was right. ever at KSA waiting to read when you were there. I remember Graham came in around I think 08 maybe or no, 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 probably 2000. 11 or 12 no 2010 i, I think. don't know i i, I can ask him next 11 time. yeah yeah i gotta talk to him i want to have him on the stream because i don't i don't uh, talk to him anymore but um but i remember graham would come in i can make that happen i know so you got that kind of pull um kind of pull. he's down in uh, he's in new zealand yeah he basically moved there well yeah got and the reason why yeah the reason why is i remember graham moved yeah, here so. graham moved here in his 40s and he moved here as a character actor from England who had been doing well, but just thought, let me take the plunge and go to L.A. and see if I can make this happen. And he immediately starts booking stuff. And we'd see him around at the office, have conversations, have a great time talking to him. And one day I read that he was going to be Dwalin for The Hobbit. I thought, I know that guy. This is going to be the biggest movie of the year. 
And I know a guy playing a major part in it. Next time I see him, I got to ask how. And he says, oh, um, I, I went in for the uh, first audition and they had me back for uh, Peter. And then uh, they had me back one more time. And that was it. I said, you had three auditions total? He goes, yes. And uh, they said, all right, you're dwelling. And we're moving to New Zealand because they're going to make three of them. <laughs> First, they were going to make two. And then they said, let's make three. And his wife is from New Zealand. And I thought, three auditions. When you're an on camera, sometimes you are one good week away from an entire career blowing up. Mm-hmm. And and that, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing is, I think he got that when he was 50. <laughs> He yeah. Just turned 50, yeah. Um, which was uh, pretty amazing. But he, um, I think I was, I think I was with him when he got the call. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, I think I, I got a pretty sure, or, yeah. or it was just, or it was the next day, and he was very understanding. He said, "Oh yes, well, I, I, um, I got the, the door throw." Because <laughs> uh, I think we were working on Uncharted Two at the time. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think we were working on Uncharted 2 because we had to get all kinds of stuff for Uncharted 3. We had to try to get him back and forth. And, right. Because he's done, you know, Creed now. And, oh, yeah. And Outlander and then The yep. Preacher. Yeah. And uh, I, I was actually in Australia last year uh, for the c- couple conventions. And uh, he was they were shooting the last season of Preacher there. Uh-huh. And I got to go and uh, uh, see him. They just just happened to be in the same city, so it was, it was it was a lot of fun. Nice, yeah. He's basically always working somewhere, isn't he? Yeah, he stays busy. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, but when he's when he's here, he's usually in my guest bedroom. I have to break ah. out the rubber sheets, and repaint <laughs> the room after he leaves every time. It's very strange. Ah, uh, you know those those Scots. Well, I mean, he's actually English. What his? I, I'm sure he's, he's Scottish. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's got a he's got a proper British accent, but uh, yes, but he's no, but he's got the most Scottish name. Were, his parents were from uh, uh, from Scotland. I yeah, think, or his mother was English, his father was Scottish. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so that's yeah. Those careers we would see just suddenly change like that after two or three auditions. It's amazing. Um, somebody on the chat said Graham needs to be on a retro replay episode. He has been. Oh, he's done we one. No, we don't have anybody on usually the retro replay show proper. Yeah, um, that's just us on the couch doing our right. our, our thing. Right. Uh, but Graham definitely came in uh, Uncharted too. He came when we did a playthrough. Okay. Was, yeah. I, 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 for for your listeners, I never <laughs> never played Uncharted, and so we streamed me playing the first one and the second one. Uh, we were kind of getting, and, and what we do is we bring in people from you know like Claudia Black. Right, Emily Rose, obviously, and we were saving uh, Uncharted Three. Richard McGonagall was the person I really wanted. He played Sully. Nice, um, you know. So Uncharted Three is just that one's kind of because of the, um, you know, uh, the recent events. Uh, it's kind of, you know, we're trying we're trying to figure out what we're doing with our show because we can't record uh, right now. So, uh, but we're gonna, you know, make sure we keep something for the replayers. Uh, actually, we have. A little phone meeting today uh, in a couple hours to uh, go over some ideas. Um, you know, but th- thank God we have this. Yeah. You know, we have this kind of forum where we can do things. Uh, like you and I talked about uh, having the, the home studio. Uh-huh. For, 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 for Because a lot of our work 
there alone somewhere. I remember I did a Coca-Cola radio spot. Mm-hmm. I was in LA in a studio. Tom Kane uh, mm-hmm. was at his home studio in Kansas City, uh-huh. and the client was on the phone in uh, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were all patched in, and this was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It was a while back. Amazing. So, I mean, today, it's pretty amazing what what uh, what's, what we're capable of. So. Oh yeah, I, I'm going to do a virtual table read tomorrow, and it's going to basically be a bunch of us using uh, Zoom, and um, some of us will be on camera, some of us will just be phone numbers in a box, and every time they laugh, mm-hmm. you'll you'll see their box light up, <laughs> and and that's how nice. yeah, that's how everybody gets mic'd, and then when the time comes, I will swivel my chair around, lower my little green screen here step into my booth and record using the Source Connect. So, yeah, we are part of the fortunate uh, uh, employment class that hopefully will not see any of our voiceover work change or go away. Um, They can make those adjustments. I I think think a big part of that is going to be, um, you know, what... What the you know we've got to keep bringing content for people uh, yeah in the gaming industry right and no they they've been working on things and uh, it's easy just to uh, you know like you said source connect you get ISDN line whatever right. it is uh, and you 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 know you bring that uh, that capability yeah to people you work with uh, and, and you know it's it's nice because people don't realize that, you know, we're, we're just another cog in the wheel. It's an important cog. I don't yeah. want to downplay that, but right. You know, they still, it's, it's still, uh, you're still able to, to, to put that piece together. So yeah. even if the developers, uh, with a skeleton crew, mm-hmm. um, I, I heard somewhere that they might be some like one week, uh, or, you know, like they've, you know, partitioned it out where just the, the bare minimums to keep things going and people can work from home. Right. Then it's up. So that's amazing. You just need a, just need a few, just to, if we can just keep a few jobs, the one thing about a, a self uh, a quarantine or a shelter in place mm-hmm. order is that my whole family realized what, how consumerist we were. Oh yeah. And you realize they're like, you know, you don't really, you know, go get your groceries and mm-hmm. maybe enjoy the things you have. Right. Uh, and, you know, rather than coveting certain things. Now, I, I was busy with a bunch of online purchases to get all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, what, is it, what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. Like, I, I, I've been putting it off. I, 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 I like going to work. I like going to a studio and doing yeah. my job, seeing people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, being social that way. Because when I come here, I go into a self-quarantine on a regular basis. It's yeah. just like lock the gates and, you know, give me a glass of bourbon and I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a, I'm going to nap. Yeah. Yeah. And well, that was, uh, some of the people on the chat are wondering um, what is going to happen with Retro Replay. I mean, if you could take us through how Retro Replay started and where you're going to make the adjustment now that things are the way they are, at least for the time being. Uh, well, First, we're going to make the adjustment. We're going to be talking about that. Hold on, fix that camera. Um, we're going to we're talk about that today. Actually, we, we okay. have a, a phone meeting uh, to figure out how it takes shape until this um, shelter-in-place order is 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 um, is gone. But we have we have you know we have 
great. We have a, like one of the best communities out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've owned the replayers, uh, the founding 500. Um, there have been a number of them you know, who have, you know, they're paid subscribers. Uh, mm-hmm. You can subscribe to uh, the YouTube channel for free, mm-hmm. and, but then there are tiered uh, memberships. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if any of those people are listening who have had to drop that membership for uh, foreseeable future, we love you still. Don't, you know, hang in there. We'll be back. Um, but save your money and, and use it to pay your rent. Yeah. And your groceries, and take care of yourself and your health and your loved ones, because mm-hmm. you know it's it. You know you, you don't get kicked out of the retro replay club. It's not you're you're always yeah. once you're a founding five hundred member, you're always a founding five hundred member, whether you're a paid member or not. It, mm-hmm. It's fine, but um, take care of yourselves right now. Yeah. Um, so how it came about is. Um, P.J. Harzman and I had done a show called Con Man with Alan Tudyk, uh-huh. Nathan Fillion, Mindy Sterling. A bunch of people came in to do it. But uh, uh, P.J. and I really enjoyed working with each other. And um, another person who's um, uh, a huge part of Retro Replay is Drew Lewis. I was, uh, so, uh, and Drew had the idea of me playing games. And I didn't really know too much about games. And at the cons, I always had enjoyed um, doing my panels, um, but but I found more enjoyment from personally when, when I did them with Troy, uh, Troy Baker, uh, who's is, is just you know incredibly prolific in, in gaming as well. Mm-hmm. He um, he's a real you know he's a game geek. He knows games and. And he's always told me, hey, if you try this, we're going to play this one. And, and, you know, it just it felt like a better dynamic to have two people. I just didn't know right. what I would be talking about. And, and we play off each other really well. Mm-hmm. So, um, honestly, it, we uh, there's a studio space that we have in Irvine that uh, PJ has and Drew uh, with their company. And we all just partnered up. And the, I remember the first show, we said, just turn on the cameras and let's see what we do right let's see what it is you know we've worked on formats and ideas and i mean i'm 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 oversimplifying it um but um you know i really give it to uh, up to uh pj and drew for being the impetus and then you know uh troy and i come down and lend our talents and uh, i mean everybody has their part and we've just been uh you know we just had fun we had yeah. fun with it and and it was never really, it was about building a community, you know, was, and, and having these, these, these great followers that, you know, we have uh, one couple that, uh, she's from New Zealand, he's from Tampa. He just moved, they just, they just, he just, they got engaged. He just moved to New Zealand. So we have really? our own, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the, the Greg and Sarah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. So um, everyone's moving to New Zealand. Yeah, so it's, it's, okay. it's, it's the place. Pretty nice, I hear. Uh, yeah, that's what I. That's what I hear. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's the it's the last haven, last hope for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's um, it's been it's been a blast. I mean, we mm-hmm. really had a had a great time, and uh, like I said, we're gonna figure out we're going to get something out there for uh, people to uh, to get content to everybody. Right. You know, we we owe it to them. Yeah. Um, uh, so, 
Um, it's not ending. You no, know, it may, it may, yeah. it may be from here. Right. Uh, and uh, Troy's got an amazing home setup. Right. Because uh, he's also a musician. Yeah. And uh, so, um, I'm still honestly, it, it's kind of on me right now, uh, trying to get everything organized and mm-hmm. uh, up and ready. I'm pretty darn close. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I've just, I also have to make sure I get my. Uh, uh, professional studio set yeah. up in the other room for for work, but right. this would be for fun work. Yeah, and, I mean, I did a squat up on this stream with Roger Craig Smith, and I was mm-hmm. able to using the OBS that I think you have. I was able to have myself in one corner, Roger in the other corner, and then the entire rest of the screen was the game we were playing. And I'm sure people would watch retro replay in that form. So that you guys, all you would need is someone remotely saying, here's the game. Here's where you're going to be able to do it. Somebody could help you produce mm-hmm. it. The two of you would still be right there playing. You could still play off each other. I mean, and this would be the, you know, just the, the, the version it would exist in until everybody got to be around each other again. I mean, there's so yeah. many options. So, yeah. I, yeah, I, well, I, also, I also have my, uh, over here, I got my TV and my PS4 and I have yeah. uh, this um I'm working on setting up an Elgato uh, stream deck uh-huh. that uh, so I can stream the game. Um, but you seem to be pretty savvy, and I know you're just as stupid as I am. So if you yeah. could do it, maybe I can do it. Oh yeah, uh, I got to just figure it out. Uh, uh, I, I'm actually uh, in the home studio. I was like, oh, I got to get a Cat Five wire, and the guy who did my system actually put a Cat Six wire. Uh-huh. in that that area so i was like oh my god this is great mm-hmm. but it's just the it's just the frayed end so i had to, so i've been on youtube like how to get a cat six connector so it goes in so wish me luck uh, yeah uh, good luck because I, yeah, yeah i i uh, i luckily have my brother uh dave who um Usually will just an amazing artist. I didn't know he was so. No, he's he's really good just with figuring things out. I mean, I'm good with abstract ideas. I'll talk to you about concepts all day long, but you know, I can hang a painting, sort of. But if I if I can use an automatic stud finder and you know an electric stud finder, but well, you uh, have to you have to use that. Yeah, fresh batteries. Fresh batteries is the key to that. Yeah, exactly. But otherwise. No, I don't do tech stuff very well. Over time, through osmosis, I sort of gradually absorb some of the ideas, and I can kind of understand it, but no, you can. the mods on my channel here, the moderators will tell you, no, there's a lot of hand-holding going on when uh, Edge Voice streams here. It's not well, we, pleasant. You know I think that people don't realize that. You know, we, for the most part, have relied on amazing engineers. Yeah. And, uh, audio engineers to, to, to get us to sound good. And yeah. <laughs> now it's up to it's like oh and, and, you know i can't even get one to come over to the house and just no you know, yeah people will say uh, hazmat students like just set up the studio just yeah please that to record stand here yeah that's it that's all i want to do and and they'll ask me i know it now by rote because i keep getting asked but what's your home setup what are your specs all right i have a source connect yeah. i use a this mic did you just get that that email from the yeah. agency i got it four different times because i have myself my son my daughter, they're all technically right. clients, and my son has booked a few jobs, and so they need to know what's going on. And so I have to, to get you. 
Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I know my stuff, but don't ask me to make any tweaks. They asked, hey, could you do one with this kilohertz, uh, you know, instead of that kilohertz? And I said, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is. Wait, what, what corner what? of the screen is the lever that I pulled who's for a, that? Who's a killer? Killer what? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I have no idea. Because, yeah, I just want to have this and the screen and, and a game to play and, and people to talk to. And, and yeah, I basically I've partnered up with my brother now. He's basically going to be doing tech and production stuff for me because I... I Nice. Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, well, he's he's keeping everything my stream makes right now because he was in the hospitality industry for his day job and that all disappeared. And so now everything the Edge Voice streamcast makes on YouTube, on mm -hmm. Twitch, on any cameo videos I do, it's all going to his household because I'm pretty sure the stimulus ain't going to cut it for long. You know, whatever it is they passed, I it might get him through a month. Hey. Right, I don't know. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, I yeah, I shudder to think, but uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's um, it's an odd time. I think the biggest thing is just you know what what they're going to do with uh, rent and mortgage. You know, I mean these these uh, they may get they may have to freeze them for a while. May have well, to I mean some people who were actually buying a new house and e they boy, were, they were halfway through escrow and the blender just pulled out. Oh man. Yeah, they said we can't can't fund the loan. No way. Uh, we don't know the, the value of your house. It, things, it, it's everything's changing. So you know, they say dip into your savings. That stuff. Said, well, what? Oh, people don't have savings. Yeah, a lot of people don't. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm hopefully, um, uh, you know, there's some of the nice I read. Um, Dax Shepard uh -huh. and um, uh, God, I worked with her. What's her name? His wife, uh, Kristen. Kristen. No, Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. She was in Assassin's Creed with me. We actually, do you know, uh, I don't know if I ever told you this. We did a session together okay. uh, when we were doing Assassin's Creed. And she was a big fan of this voice. She yeah. even did it herself. So she's <laughs> very, very cool. They own, apparently own uh, property and they have renters. All right. They are, uh, they just, at least for the next three months or, or, for, or maybe just foreseeable future, they are... Forgiving rent. They're just saying don't you don't have to pay your rent for the next few months. Nice. Which is you know, that's that's a huge help to the people living in that building. But, Although um, it would be funny if they personally went down and kicked them out as Dak Shepherd and just as Chris as the girl from the good place. Yeah. Get the Hey, we're just kidding. Get out. Yeah, no, seriously. I need an extra place for my art. Well, okay. Any, yeah. Here's the thing. Anybody who's is a landlord that kicks their people out. Good luck getting another tenant. Yeah. Good luck getting a brand new soul. Cause I don't know how you're going to scrub yeah. that one clean after that horse shit. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it's be ridiculous, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, so yeah. I think the mortgages, I think that kind of stuff, you know, uh, like I said, we're just, we're kind of going off bare minimums. I'm not going to spend that much on gas for the cars. Right. And no, I'm not going to have to worry about anything like that. You know, uh, Fortunately, we've had rain, so the water bill is going to be lower than it typically is. I mean, I'm just trying to think right. about the other things. Uh, so, you know, just I think we just, you know, hunker down and, and right. uh, do the best. I think, the, the, you know, as long as, it, as long as there's eggs. Yeah, I've taken eggs. I've My basically. Like, we should get chickens. I'm like, really? I have a friend who has. With who, three massive dogs. Yeah. 
got three so, of them. Like the two puppies aren't here. I mean, they're in the backyard. So yeah, great, we're gonna f- we're gonna feed the dogs for a day yeah. with the chickens. Yeah, so, so my, yeah, that's the thing. So this dog, well, they, their food comes in like yeah, we got Chewy dot com. Yeah, another person that's like you sponsor me. I buy a lot of food from you because one hundred and forty pound Great Pyrenees, and then the two puppies are like eighty pounds each now. Wow, um, and they're one. They just turned one. Um, so yeah. there's a lot of. I figure, hey, we can eat them. You know, yeah. <laughs> Well, this is about the time you would have thought we should have gotten those teacup poodles. They eat like a crust of bread every day, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> just a little. Yeah, well, they're, they're kind of the. Not all at once. But hey, a three-legged dog. Why well, you don't need a dog that big? Oh, yeah, nice. dog that talented. You don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> every joke is funnier with the Herbert the pervert voice. Well, a dog that talented. Mm. <laughs> just do a leg at a time. Hey. Got some grape soda in the basement if you're interested. Say, paper boy, I'll make sure I stay six feet away if you come on in and help me clean my gutters. Yeah. Ooh. I can't promise to stay so far away. Shelter in your place. <laughs> By the way, this is what we're... This is what we talk about when Nolan said on the marble. Uh, right around 03, okay, we all go to CESD, which is a bigger agency, and they have these these recording booths inside an office that's all carpeted. And then there's a huge atrium for the building, and that's all marble. Now, CESD rented offices for the agents, and across the marble hall, they rented carpeted recording booths for the assistants and the engineers. That was their office, their rules. We had to abide by them. On the marble. Right, no, when we only had three booths? Yeah. Yeah, we had so about three booths. So we have two and yeah. wait two, three hours. Before everybody started sending in their auditions from home, because before everybody had a decent mic set up, probably mm-hmm. I would say from about 03 to probably, I don't know, 2012, 2010, it was, you would walk in, you'd get an appointment time, you'd walk in, and it didn't matter when you showed up. You weren't getting in for two hours. So all I needed to see was Nolan's face, Quentin Flynn's face, Phil Tanzini's face, and John Mariano's face. Any of those people or anybody else that we knew, but you guys in particular were game for anything. And John Mariano in particular, he is a genius at improv and ad-libbing. And we would just sit there, we would glance at our copy and toss it aside. And after that, it was just, how can I make these other guys laugh and the amount of politically incorrect jokes that went up in the air is uncountable. I mean, we hit every single base you could possibly hit. And it was yeah. just about cracking each other up. And I think the straw that broke the camel's back was Sean Connery. I think that's what <laughs> finally... <laughs> and, and remember Jason, who's become a friend of mine. I don't know if I told that. I well, I know you got to know him, yeah. Friends of Graham and, and he yeah. became a... Oh yeah, and I got to know him there. He's a great guy, you know. Yeah, but yeah, we... it, it's uh, yeah, that. we used to remember. I came up with what was it? Uh, Sean Connery had he not made it? Yeah, like he has, had he not been Sean Connery and he just walked into CSD to audition with the rest of us schmucks at the time. Like, fellas, I uh, fingers crossed. I just had a wonderful meeting over at Disney for the new Cheetah Girls movie. I'll be playing a bartender named Rick. So that Raven Simone, she is quite a 
quite a challenge. <laughs> Next day, so I didn't get it. I decided to go with that. African-American, apparently. Diversity, for diversity's sake, I say. I nailed that. I actually made an actual gin and tonic. <laughs> yeah, we... Sean, how's it going? Good, good. I just went for a firestone. Yes, tires. <laughs> tires. I have a call back. <laughs> By the way, my favorite, though, my favorite day, and I know you were there, I'm pretty sure you were there. We had a friend, have a friend, I haven't spoken to him in years, but Sean Dinellon. Yeah. Who is, uh, uh, oh my God, uh, he was one of the driest, funniest people. Very funny. Ever met. Very dry. And one very hot day in Los Angeles, we're all sitting there waiting for, you know, uh, everybody to, you know, waiting for your turn. You sign in at a piece of paper and they right. say, okay, Chris, your turn, come on in. And we're all sitting there just talking. I think you were there. And, and I think I, I came in. Sitting there yeah. And Fred Tadashore walked in. And Fred, Fred was clearly hot. Fred was, his, 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 he looked like, uh, you know, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. His hair was falling in his face, dripping wet, sweating. Yeah. His shirt was And he came running in, signed us on away. And he just starts writing his name down, signing in. And Sean Dinellon just very quietly just looks goes, busy morning burying the cheerleaders in the backyard, Fred. And without missing a beat, Fred Tattashore just turns from signing and goes, well, it is Tuesday. Yeah. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get the air into my lungs to make the sound of laughter. I just... And... I think we all just started laughing so hard. I mean, they, you know, somebody said, "Hey, you guys, got to keep it quiet because the soundproof rooms could hear us yeah. all laughing." Sean Dunham, God, he was funny. I came in, I think, in the by aftermath the way, by the way, of that. Quick, yeah. For people who know Sean Dunham, if you do a YouTube search, you know, let me wonder if I can find this for people. He's he's you, done a you lot do of a stuff. YouTube, yeah. YouTube search for. Have you ever seen this? That chocolate. Yeah, the Reese's, yeah, chocolate Skittles, yeah, chocolate-covered Skittles, or, yeah. It's one of the funniest commercials you'll ever see, and it's chillingly funny, disturbingly funny. Skittles Piñata, okay, everybody? Skittles, just go to YouTube and do Skittles Piñata, P-I-N-A-T-A. Absolutely one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and he's the Skittles man. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I'm gonna watch it later. I haven't seen it in ages. Yeah, they made him up to be a pinata man, and like even his eyelashes no, are no, pinata. Okay. All right, go watch it. You have my permission to leave the stream. Go watch it. Come back and report. No, no. But no, yeah, no, they'll they'll be back if they know what's good for them. That what always used to kill me was the fact that if you saw me start to laugh at something, I would try to hide because I was laughing at something that I knew was improper. That it was inappropriate, right. which makes me laugh more than anything. If I know that I'm laughing at something that someone else is not supposed to hear, I can't take it. And as soon as you saw me doing that, it was almost like you would lean in and, and, and keep digging down further. And, and I would just think, God, make them stop. I can't take it. I'm going to get in trouble for this. And then you when my, you're my favorite kind of guy, I mean, yeah, like church. Yeah. Like a funeral. Yeah. I, I was always there. Yeah. Something inappropriate. Yeah. 
And then John Mariano would come in, and John oh, Mariano man. does the best Burgess Meredith impression that's ever been done. And that's basically Mickey from the Rocky movies. You know, kid, uh, women weaken legs. All right? I remember this one. Remember this yeah. one? I tell you, I, I threw an Irishman off a roof, yeah. you see. They're a dirty people. And so he just imagined oh. if Mickey walked off the set of Rocky, and it's every old man, ridiculously outdated uh, yeah. idea of whatever. And he would look at you. And he, you walked in one time and he looked at you and he said, I remember one summer I lived off nothing but wheatgrass and lime rickies. Nothing else. And he just stared at you and you started to laugh. And I thought, here comes 20 more minutes of this based on whatever mm -hmm. floats into his head. And so, and then of course, Phil Tanzini walks in and can't oh, wait to oh, make yeah. the most the most inappropriate joke possible. And so one day, finally, God, I, right. yeah, yeah, he would just sit there in the corner and he wouldn't care. It was as though he was daring them to, to drop him from the roster because he knows that they wouldn't do it, you know? And no. uh, yeah, Phil is the kind of guy, he met uh, Bill Gates one time. He did a voice for a Microsoft spot and it was a huge campaign and really? yeah, and this was years ago. And uh, he said they had a huge rollout, a huge event. So I was there because I was the voice of the ad. And I guess I did like a live announced gig and I met Bill Gates, who was there. And I said, Bill, give me a million dollars. And Bill said, what? He goes, you're worth what? 40 billion? Give me a million. It's nothing to you. It's basically what you have in your wallet. It's the same as me taking 40 bucks out of my wallet. So can I have a million dollars? And he said, well, no. And he said, can I have what's in your wallet then? He goes, okay. And Bill Gates took out the cash in his wallet and handed it to him. And I guess it's like a couple of hundred bucks because Phil figured, what have I got to lose? You know, the guy's worth 40. Really? Yeah. No. I heard yeah. that story. I didn't know it was true. No, nah, Phil told me that story. So yeah. Yeah. This is, wow. <laughs> I know that's a, a brass set of balls right there. Cause uh, yeah, I don't think I could have asked him for a million. You know, 500K, I think maybe I would have, you know. Hey, yeah, fine. Bill, fine. you know, I'm rubbing a tug in the back, buddy. I won't tell anybody. You know, got to be worth much. 500K for you. You know, yeah, exactly. So. It cost you more. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then one day, of course, we get called onto the carpet uh, and told, hey, guys, the uh, the ad libs in the office, uh, they're really funny, but uh, some people are, are starting yeah. to complain. And uh, so we started to drift out onto the marble. And well, you know what? There's, there's a story I've told people, and uh, and you, I, you can back it up because I give it's, it's credit to you. A lot of people don't realize that you were the guy who was um, partially responsible, pretty much responsible for me being in Star Trek. Um, oh yeah. yeah, into darkness. Yeah, um, well, I don't take it. I don't take credit for it, but I I like to open no, no, doors no, no, for no, friends. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. All right. Chris Edgerly, I we, it was a, it was an ADR session, and I didn't really do much ADR. No. Especially group ADR. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. And our agent Pat Brady called me one day. She said, "Hey, you want to go down there and do this scale payment, whatever?" I'm like, "Eh, it's a long drive to Fox, 20th Century Fox." I'd rather yeah. Just come do it. 
Bob is doing it, and and um, Audrey was. I think Audrey was Zalewski. Uh, yeah. You. She had all. It's all your friends from the agency. They booked everybody from here, and I was like, Yeah. I haven't seen Angela. I'll go down there. Right. And um, incidentally, on the same lot where you do Simpsons, right? We did our 500th episode table read that day, and then. I, no, this is before you got the Simpsons. Wasn't no, it? no, this was the 500th episode table read, and then I know because I have the actual, uh, yeah, I have the plaque from it. Well, it's not a plaque; it's like a big thing. But the 500th episode table read was that morning, and then I think I just hung around on the lot, and then in literally a few buildings down and downstairs from where we record the show, we went to the Marilyn Monroe soundstage. Where I also sometimes do ADR for the for the Simpsons, and the lights were low, and we were oh, all there. Let yeah, me, let me, I don't, don't yeah. Spoil it. set so it up. I'm sitting there next to him, and we're just you know John. We you get up and do different things. Yeah, and I got up, and you know the ADR director's over there with his hat, and I'm like, what? Yeah, and we get up there in the stands, and there's this one thing where it's like over the loudspeakers, they had everybody kind of do something. Um, you know, please move to the quarantine area. Right. Uh, there, you know, and they, there were instructions. And in the middle of the sentence, I stopped and I went, and the ADR director kind of goes, is there a problem? I'm like, yeah, would he say that? And he looked at me and goes, what do you mean? I said, well, um, I don't know if they, it's a quarantine area. Wouldn't they just say details that kind of to follow later? Like just give them the basics to go there rather than tell them what's going on. And he thought about it a second. He goes, all right, well, tell me what you want to do. So I wrote something and I, and I said something, I made something up. And then he wrote and said something. He's like, say this. Yeah, good. Good change. Thank you. And I sit down. I remember picking up the coffee. And I just take a cup of coffee. And I feel the heat of a stare. Like 18 (laughs) inches from my face. And I turn around. And it's Chris. And he looks at me and goes, only you would have the balls to rewrite J.J. Abrams to his face. And I went, that's J.J. Abrams. (laughs) I had no idea who it was. I was just the ADR director. I'm just... And Sometimes the ADR director is the director. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. Especially when it's it's somebody who's into it as much as uh, yeah as he is. But right. it was funny. So you you were that guy. I've told that story to, to a number of people. You were the guy because then you know later on we had to do some screams and yells like uh, the bus driver when the bus flips right. sideways and right. gets crushed. It's me going ah. And right. That's the scream. I, I got that, the, that. I got the scream for that one. There you go. And, and remember, there's like 10 of us in the room. Eight yeah. Seven, the movie, by the way, uh, is Super 8. J.J. Abrams' Super movie, Super 8. Yeah. If you hear that, that's Nolan doing the scream, where there are a bunch of guys with flashlights trying to find the kids in the junkyard. That's Nolan, me, a bunch of other people. So we're Stay in that movie. There? I think Kish might have been there. It's a Kish bunch of us. We were also linemen. Remember the linemen? He's like, yeah, I'm not a problem. Just don't kick the power yep. up over here. Yeah, and I'm a soldier. But the I'm, funny yeah. thing is, I did that scream a couple of times, and you were back there. You go, careful, Drake. You'll ruin that uncharted juggernaut of money you got going. Yep. And everybody kind of laughed, and that's when J.J. Abrams turned. He goes, what does he mean, Drake? And, and you looked at A, and he goes, oh, Nolan plays Nathan Drake in Uncharted. Oh, yeah. And he looked at me, and he goes, what does he mean you play Nathan Drake in Uncharted? And I remember looking at him going, I don't know how else to say that. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was you. I tell people that story. You were the guy who made that comment that, that alerted him to that. And next thing you know, I'm, I spent 30 minutes with him and Brian Burke, his uh, producing partner, after. And as a joke, I said, yeah, you know, uh, put me on the, because I worked with Bruce Greenwood on uh, Young Justice. Okay. And we talked about, we talked about Bruce and he, and he said, uh, Nolan, I owe you one. 
And I said, you know, just throw me on the Enterprise with um, with Green- Greenwood. Right. And he just looked. He goes, you want to be in the movie? And I was like, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I I'll audition. He goes, I oh, know you can act. It's fine. Let's find a place for you. Yeah. You can't be Kirk, but you can be something. <laughs> and I remember just sitting there going, man, all these years, that's how you get in the movie? Just yeah, that's... To- yeah, you know, just be a game first, right? So. You, yeah, no, I've I've done that before. Where I, um, if I see there's a chance, I figure, you know, it's it, it always sucks if you have to bring up your own credits to try and get yourself hired, and so it's yeah. better that somebody else does. It. And I thought, well, this can't possibly hurt for him to know this right. this this credit, and uh, you know, yeah, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Everybody talks a bunch of smack anyway while we're recording. We're having a good time, and here's the part two of that. A few years later, not long ago, maybe two years ago, J.J. Abrams comes to a Simpsons table read. Not only does he come to the table read, but he's announced, hey, one of our guests today, J.J. Abrams. Everybody gives him a hand, because as we found out, not only is he a really nice guy, he's funny as hell. He is oh, yeah. really funny. So. Yeah, he is. He's at the table read, having a great time. And then I go afterwards to do an ADR uh, session on the same stage where we did Super 8. He's there. He's He's got, I guess, some friends with him and they're being given a tour. And I'm waiting to go in and I he's walking by and I said, hey, JJ, uh, you know what? Actually, I worked with you here and uh, my friend Nolan and a few other friends. We did some uh, ADR for uh, Super 8 and you directed us. And, uh, you know, hey, I think it's pretty clear I made the film. And, you know, I was joking. He goes, hey, you know, actually, without those voices there, and he was actually ready to play along and say, yeah, yeah, no, you were, hey, don't underestimate yourself. You know, actually, it was very, very good work you guys did that day. So, but you know what? It's nice when you get to meet somebody who has all the power in the world and they're yeah. cool. Yeah, and he's very, very cool. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten to uh, talk to him multiple times since the, the movie and right it's, it's just it, the great thing about working with him uh is he knows every grip's name uh. he knows every electrician he knows every everybody every pa by first name i don't know how he does it uh but um, he's just he actually you know, we were actually on set came back from lunch um and right before we started he goes uh, we did a we did a take, and he comes out and he goes, okay, and you know, uh, he said we kind of kind of lost some energy. We usually don't really have much energy after lunch. Maybe uh, and somebody's relighting something. He's maybe just uh, ate a little pasta. Bobby, Bobby, did you eat pasta? No, yeah. okay, Bobby's not. So Bobby's good, but maybe we just gotta gotta get a little more uh, energy. Um, and he goes, Nolan North, how do we get energy on a set? <laughs> And I'm just standing back there. I got my, you know, I, I had a few lines and then it got whittled down to one. But, um, you know, Peter Weller's like four feet to my left. Oh, nice. Chris Pine and everybody. And for some reason I went, I'll tell you what I do, JJ. I like to go outside, cover myself in mayonnaise and birdseed. Keep the patience. <laughs> and he just starts laughing. We do a take. He got, comes back, he goes... Uh, who else do we have in the Enterprise? Get, a, uh, get us, uh, and you know, like JJ, you know, well, he's not doing the job. I'll take the chair. Hey, you know, and I literally just started every take. We're like five, six in. I'm like going, oh my God, do I go back to like, do I go back to Johnny Carson? Like, yeah, I know. Is anymore? I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, 
I, you know, I'm like, I'm not an impressionist. I, I have a few I can do, but other than that, it's, it's, uh, but he was just, he was goofing around. Yeah. And I actually saw Simon Pegg in London last year and I reminded him, he goes, oh, yes, I shot you. And I'm like, how did he remember that? That's they funny. They stormed the bridge and he faced Yeah. Him. But he would, he would run by and he goes, ah, in the bullocks. You know, he would yeah. shoot, you know, during rehearsals. <laughs> He'd come up, he'd come up, he'd be like, I'm going to shoot you and stab you. And then one time, like, I, I ducked. Right. Uh, it just, he just, you know, set a, I mean, on a, a film of that scale. I mean, they built yeah. a starship. We had a spaceship to play on. Nice. Unbelievable. Nice. Um, but, but uh, yeah, it was, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch got to, everybody, they were all so, so amazingly down to earth. So, uh, and he fosters that, that type of oh, yeah. environment. That's see, I get to meet the people you work with through the show, Uh, like on The Simpsons. I didn't know about Sherlock, that show. This is back in 2012. Yeah. And Dan Castellaneta, who's Homer and a lot of people on the show, um, said, oh, yeah, it's the best show on TV. And so Benedict Cumberbatch was a guest at a table read. And so they just announced him. And I was aware of who he was as an actor because he had started appearing a lot of things. So he's at the table read. I'm just cheating looks over, seeing is he laughing? Because whenever there's a really famous person, you want to see what they laugh at. What does he find funny? And uh, so Benedict, after the episode, it just so happens there's a cutaway in the episode where they have Alan Rickman doing something as a Harry Potter joke. And Benedict does the world's greatest Alan Rickman impression. I think they even realized it and they said, hey, let's ask him. And so that following Monday when we were recording the episode, Benedict comes in, does his Alan Rickman for that episode. So, really? yeah. And so he's basically. That's pretty cool. You know, uh, Troy, yeah. Troy Baker does a pretty good Alan Rickman. But I, I got to hear uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Google Benedict that. Deep tone. Oh, yeah. He's got that texture. And yeah. I still remember the line. It's basically they combined Love Actually and Harry Potter. And so Snape just comes out and says, Love is more powerful than all my magic. And that's his, you know, and mine's so-so. And his, it's as though he's in the room. And he's just going through, cycling through his, his, uh, yeah, his Rickman. And I thought, there he is in his element. And then, like a day later or that night, my wife and I start watching Sherlock. And it's really something. Amazing. Yeah, it's really something to watch a show after you've met the star of it. You don't yeah. watch it the same way. You realize, oh my God, that guy was on the mic next to me. That's amazing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, I never get, I never, get, never gets old when you get to meet people like that. Oh no, let me tell you who laughs at some of the strangest stuff is <laughs> Werner Herzog, the director. The, I know he is. Yes, Werner Herzog. He made Grizzly Man, and he's very morose, or at least and he's also the client in Mandalorian. Right, you would think. Right. I moved to Atlanta to be closer to Disney World. (laughs) Well, he comes in. He comes into a table read. (laughs) We're setting up for the table read. I'm sitting down, and here comes Werner Herzog. He's got his script. He sits down, and we just make eye contact. I shake his hand. Say, hi, Werner. I'm Chris. I'll be working on the show with you. And he says, very pleased to meet you. You know, I was flying in last night from Europe, and I was reading my script and I was annoying the people around me because I kept laughing out loud. <laughs> just imagining if you're sitting next to Werner Herzog and you I hear love this, that. you just suddenly hear, ha, 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 
My son and I, my son Cooper, uh, we love the Mandalorian. Right. And he found this and ordered it, and it's just, there's nothing, you know, but it's the pop vinyl of the client. <laughs> I want to see the baby. See, here I have the... Apex I have the, uh, yes, the pop, the, the, the Funko of the other golden goose I have. Yeah, yeah, this is my other favorite oh, no. job. Yeah, we got to start comparing. Let's start comparing Everybody swag. Everybody would like to see Uncharted 5. Right but there. How about Nathan Drake talking to this? What are you doing? I will be the bad guy in Uncharted 5. And I will bring you closer to death than you ever could imagine. Not a silly has anything to say about it. I ate him. I'm a cannibal. I like to eat the flesh of the elderly. Here's here's one from the stream. Uh, Jettisary, one of our very regular uh, faithful viewers. When you and Troy Baker were cast as brothers Magni and Modi on mm -hmm. God of War, at God what War. point in the production process did you have to sing We Go Together to complete the ritual? That was uh, one of those nice things where they just kind of offered you the role. Uh, I know Corey Barlock is uh, just genius and awesome and... We had so much fun. I uh, just wanted us to go in there and, and do our thing. Funny thing is, at the studio where we were shooting over at um, uh, Sony in um, Playa del Rey, he was sitting up higher, so we could only see the engineer. Right. So we'd have to lean down. We just start doing his voice, like, you know, Terry, you got sausages for finger, ain't got no knuckles, you know, Terry. We just both started doing this weird thing, and that became this. We, we just had too much fun. It was, it was, you know, great scripts, great characters to play, and uh, but uh, there was no singing. There was no singing. Okay. No, I'm not gonna sing. I mean, <laughs> right. All right. Let's extra, see. Extra bump. Somebody's saying if Nolan ever sees this, he owes Nika Futterman dinner and a weekend getaway. Uh, probably. Nika. Uh, I, I, I don't know who that is, but they they that's true. Nika was one of these people like, you know, starting out whatever. And I said, man, so I just, if I could just make a hundred grand, she said, you'll make that next year. Like, <laughs> right. She said, next year you can make that. And at one point I did. Yeah. And, um, she said, that's great. You make 150 next the following year or more. And right. I was like, you're out of your mind. I wish. And I did. Right. And I, and I told her and I, uh, you know, and it, but the first time, if I make a hundred grand next year, I'm, uh, uh buy a dinner and then mm -hmm. i think it got to like when you make 200 grand i'm like i mean 200 grand i'll give you a weekend getaway right i'm not that i'd go with her but yeah <laughs> it's like, yeah she would hey god knows she would want me to go with her. <clears throat> right um but yeah so uh yeah nika was a, a big and, I, and then i got to work with nika on a couple of nickelodeon shows mm -hmm. she's an amazing talent and oh yeah very talented now she's now she's she she's doing most of her stuff she's a professional poker player Really? I she's know pro, that she's a professional okay. poker player. All right. Now, a lot of people may know Nika Futterman. You you may not know her, but trust me, you've heard her voice. Okay. So she's been Fan in everything. Chum Chum. I worked with her. Yeah. My gym partner is a monkey is what I worked with her yeah. on and, yeah. uh, and a ton of things. And yeah, I used to talk incredibly, to her about incredibly talented. Yeah. Very, very sweet. And uh, I used to talk to her about, oh, yeah, you're really getting into poker, huh? She goes, yeah, yeah, I like to I like to play. I like to sit in. And and, uh, and then apparently she starts making like, you know, she starts making the cut 
at the uh, mm-hmm. at the big event and all that and yep. so yeah i didn't know uh, i didn't know well, she was see her on that sunday at that, the final table the poker you know, that would be something yeah she's she's great though all right here's another one um <laughs> nolan can uncle sal make a special guest appearance on this stream hey let me tell you something <sighs> might close the mic I don't do these things much, but here's the deal. During the winter months, that was always so sad because your mother was a beautiful woman. She'd cover up, but God help us all in the summer. She'd come out and she'd have them, uh, them sweater puppies just bursting out, you know what I mean? No disrespect, but your mother's a beautiful woman. There's your, there's your Uncle Sam. <laughs> Who is that? You told oh, me. There's a guy. There's a guy. Okay. You told me a story when you worked in Rhode Island. You were worked at a restaurant with a bunch of Gumbadi were there, a bunch of bunch of Italian, like basically mafiosi. And you would think, thank God these guys like me because the stories they're telling about ice picks and shit like that were, you know. Yeah, no, no. Well, it, yeah, it got. Yeah, there was some there was some uh, stories, but that was a guy that actually worked. Uh, my mother worked in this promotion company for in marketing for different like Midori and Tia Maria and different liqueurs and champagnes. And she would go to these restaurants. And one of the restaurants we went to a, a lot was this place. Uh, I don't even want to say the name of it, but we went to this All restaurant, right. and the family went there, and so they gave her a lot of business, and. I walked in, and, and, and it literally was, I mean, they're all, you know, it's 11 in the morning. The restaurant is open for lunch at, like, 1, and they're, you know, everybody's getting this, and these guys are in their suits. Their hair's perfect. They got the pinky rings, and, the, and they're like, I ain't doing it. And we walk into the office. Oh, yeah, he'll see you. We walk in, and the guy gets up, and he's got his just busted face, and his, his cut, lips cut, his nose, his face. And, you know, when you see that, when you're in a, in a wood-paneled room, with a guy who smells like a very high-end cologne with pinky rings, and the guy gets up, has a busted face, you ignore the guy with the busted face as he yeah. passes you leaving. Well, my mom does didn't get the memo, and first thing I heard him, I was like, oh my God, what happened to you? And he just looked there, he goes, I, wa- I swear, he just goes, I walked into a door. And he yeah. walked out of the room. Yeah. Randy, Randy, please sit, sit. This guy, please, please come sit. And he talked like this. And he's just sit there and he's looking. My mom's talking. Now we got to get the promotion stuff coming in. And he's just going, that's good. And he looks at me. And she said, this is your boy. And she said, yes, yeah, is Nolan. And I'm, I'm like 16. I think I was 15 or 16 because I think I drove her there. I wanted to drive. Got my right. permit or something. Right. And he just sits there and he looks at me. And she's talking about the products and he's just staring at me. That is tremendous underbite. <laughs> and she's talking and talking and talking. And he goes, Your mother's a beautiful woman. And that was it. And he just kept staring. Then he finally just turns back to her. And I'm like, Are you sleeping with my mom? <laughs> Do you want to? Uh, it was just the weirdest thing to see just in that. Oh my gosh! There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of suggestive phrases that they like to use, as though yeah. Speaking of let it breathe, 
they say one thing that's a very loaded thing and then they just let it breathe and they let you figure yeah. it out. Oh, I should probably shut up and walk away, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and you got a guy, a guy, a guy got windy cracking an egg. Yeah. <laughs> no, this it's a cliche, but why is it every really Italian guy I know has the ability to summon that quality because um, Phil Adrisi at the agency, Phil, big Phil, big Phil's a really big guy. Not so much anymore because, you know, he had that surgery, right? You know, but uh, Phil, Phil used to be, you know, just basically the guy with a roll of hot dogs where his neck was, you know, and uh, it's like, Phil, you used to do security at a bar. We called it pest control. (laughs) I thought, okay, I understand what you mean. Phil Adrisi, has a great voice. Yeah, yeah. And there was another guy I played softball with. His name was Freddie Colangelo. Very Sicilian. And just a wiry guy. Like, just just not a big guy at all. Right? Not, not, not tall, not thick, just small and skinny. But just had this air about him. And one time we were all getting out of our cars to go play softball. And Freddie's alarm goes off. And it won't go off. It won't It won't stop blaring. And some guy playing basketball, a big guy, looks at him and says, turn that off. And Freddie looks at him and says, I'll turn you off. What are you, a tough guy? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy just zipped it and he kept walking. And that was it. That's something. Isn't that a family guy? That's right. It's my car. What do you want to find about it? That's what, and that's what Freddie did one time. Some some guy was annoying me. I mean, someone that Freddie didn't even know. And Freddie walked up to me and said, "Do you want me to take him aside?" (laughs) (laughs) You want me to take him aside? No, Freddie. He's let him live. Okay, please. Take him aside. Take him aside. (laughs) So. All right, let's get back to the questions. Here's let's a get back to questions. Yeah. Uh, does Nolan remember voicing? All right, this is uh, Tea Cakes. I don't have a question, more a request, I suppose. Does Nolan remember voicing Sigmund in Ratchet and Clank in like 2009? And if so, could he say something in that voice? Who is this to? This is uh, TWD Tea Cakes. Just go with Tea, tea cakes. cakes. Tea Cakes. Oh, yes, Tea Cakes. I certainly remember Sigmund. He was my very, very favorite character, yes, sir. Insomniac Games. Yes, absolutely, sir. T.J. Fixman was the one who wrote that game. It was wonderful. Yeah, I, that was a cool one because it was, like, so not my voice. And, and yeah. In the midst of all the, uh, you know, Uncharted and all these different things. It was that one and, the, and, and doing the Penguin. Uh, where they, you know, no, the Penguin, you know. So, it, you know, they were the ones that kind of broke me out of people going, hey, this guy sucks. Sounds like yeah. he's sick. Assassin's Creed, all this stuff. He sounds the same. He yeah. sucks. I finally, I finally get to work. It's like he sounds. He has one voice, Uncharted. It's like, oh, I don't. No. I think we talked about this a lot, but yeah, it's, people like to work ultimately with the people that they like. Yeah. And um, I think when you go in and do a good job, and you get it done, you do it well. You, you try to do it on, you know, um, before the, the the session ends. You know, try to get it done early. Right. And, and then make sure you, I always kind of took it upon myself that entertaining the people hiring me mm-hmm. in between takes, you know, it, first of all, it kept me uh, engaged and excited about what we were doing, but it also, 
they had a good time. So they're like, let's hire him again. Yes. Yeah. You know, because that was a good time. We're, we He did it well. Uh, we, we finished early, so we'd mm-hmm. all go home or we'd get to lunch sooner, whatever. And um, we had a good time. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the key to any business. If, yeah. Just be uh, good to work with and, you know, you're, you're, you're on your way. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. said this in an interview years ago, well before he had, he sort of tanked his career and had to come back. He said, right. you know what it boils down to? When they're not sure whether or not you're going to get the job, they ask themselves, do I want to be around this guy for eight weeks? Because that's what it's going to boil down to. A lot of people can do the job. A lot of people can do the characters you've done. Maybe they don't do them as well as you've done them. Maybe they didn't make them. Maybe they couldn't make them their own as well as you made them their own or your own. But what you said is absolutely true. I would tell that to anyone wanting to get into the business. You not only have to be good at what you do. Okay, because you're not going to get handed hardly anything in voiceover. It is a meritocracy. Yeah, but you got to be there on time. You have to be professional, do as few takes as possible to give them what they want. And yes, I remember thinking this right in the midst of you getting all of these jobs. I thought, I look, Nolan's obviously good. I sit here and trade jokes with him all day. I know how good he is, but I know how fun he is. And I guarantee you, I would have bet a steak dinner that a lot of that work was because God, we do a lot of laughing when we have Nolan around. And who doesn't yeah, want to? Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's like any business. Yeah. Like, who doesn't want that? Or whatever you do. You know, yeah. You, you, should, you should be fun to work with. We should, yeah. We should enjoy this. Right. But we're so fortunate to be able to do this for a living. And yeah. To, uh, you know, uh, I, and, I, and some, I don't want to sound Pollyanna about that. I mean it. You know? Yeah. And... Uh, I don't care what level of success you ever get to. It's just be grateful and yeah. and and just be be the guy people want to work with. Yeah. Genuinely, you know. Um, and I think you, you know you can't go wrong. I mean, but right. I, I, I remember I had a I made more money at a bar I was working at one time. But oh, the manager was a jerk, and and and, and the other people on the staff was like whatever. Then I had another place, you know, later on that. You know, didn't make as much, but oh, we had such a good time. I would take that other job. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I, I made enough to pay my bills, you know, whatever. I didn't have a lot of overhead or anything, but the other places, I would, I would rather make a little less and enjoy myself because, yeah. uh, first of all, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, pl- I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a better employee, right? Uh, and yeah, so I think that was something that, you know, it always spoke to me. That yeah. idea of like, you know, have fun first. It, Especially look, look at the landscape we're in. Look at the life we're, we're dealing with now. I know. Gotta laugh. We gotta, yeah. we gotta enjoy what we got. For those of you out there, yeah, for those of you out there wondering, oh, I, I don't know why I don't get more jobs or I don't get more this or that. Um, obviously, skill has a lot to do with it, but part of your skill set is being hireable. And part of being hireable <laughs> is, yeah, being available, of course, having a good setup because it's all going to be remote jobs for a while. But yeah, are you easy to work with? Because I remember Pat Brady, our agent, telling us there's plenty of talented people out there. There's not enough room for assholes because you've yeah. got to be really good to get away with being an asshole in this business. And even and you know, then, and, 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 yeah. and Chris, think about it. There are very, 
very few. Yeah. I mean, I get assholes. Yeah. I mean, you look at the guy, the guys who have the longevity mm-hmm. uh, are the ones I've always tried to, uh, I've always admired mm-hmm. and the ones I wanted to be. I, I used to joke, like, when I grow up, I want to be Frank Walker. Yeah. Um, Frank Walker was always a hero of mine. And then I got to meet him. Mm-hmm. I remember at the Cartoon Network, Chris Zimmerman thought I was going to faint. Yeah. I was like, that's Frank Walker. Isn't that Frank Walker? And she's like, yeah. And now he's a golf buddy. Yeah. Uh, he lives down the road. Uh, but you look at Welker, um, Rob Paulson. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Glenn Bennett, um, Maurice LaMarche. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you go to, you know, um, just some of my personal uh, kind of heroes. And, but people like Gray Delisle, mm-hmm. always busy. You know, it, it, it's uh, Kari Walgren who works mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, these are the, they're the younger set. I mean, right. Um, but, you know, old school, which we're slowly becoming. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, they, they've <laughs> always been uh, heroes of mine. And they are, like, Paulson is, is the poster boy for kindness and respect. Yeah. And genuine, uh, genuineness. Oh yeah. Um, Rob Paulson is just like a saint. Yeah. The funny thing is I literally have a house a mile from Paulson Uh and about two miles from Welker. Mm -hmm. Like, so if I can, if just hopefully it's in the air. Yeah. Glean anything off of them. But you know, uh, Paulson's the guy who taught me that I, you know, I always thank the people who gave me the job. Yeah. And I, I, to this day, always do it. And I learned that from, uh, from Rob to, to always make a point of saying thank you for the work mm-hmm. uh, as, um, and, and be genuine about it don't, don't just do it like oh by the way checklist uh, thank you so much for the job. hey really appreciate you bringing me in yeah there's a lot of choices and when they do that you know and Rob just uh, directed uh, a lot of the last um, uh, TMNT uh, for Nickelodeon the, the last series that they did oh really I got to go and play a few uh uh, different characters, so it was great. Nice. But, um, yeah, you know, I think that there's, you know, it never gets old. No, no, no. It's yeah, yeah, we do. And, but luckily, because it's voiceover, our voices are basically when you're about uh, 18, 20, 21, your voice just kind of sets, and uh, that's your voice as long as you don't abuse it for about 40 years. And then you might start hearing some changes over time, but I don't sound that much different than from when I was 21, 22. And luckily, that's the kind of uh, break you get being a voice actor. If you take care of it, you it's, it's basically like Brad Pitt looking exactly the same for 40 straight years, which he almost does, which yeah. is unfair. But yeah, it's we get this tool and we get to use it and uh, we get to keep using it with the same effectiveness. So the older you get, the better you get at it. Yeah, yeah. True. Here's one from Wild Laser. What is Nolan's opinion on the casting choices for the Uncharted movie? Tom Holland as Nathan and Mark Wahlberg as Sully. Um, Tom Holland's been attached for, for a long time, uh, just because I think he has an overall deal with Sony. Sony probably overall deal with, mm-hmm. um, for Spider-Man and everything. Uh, but the, it's an interesting idea. You know, traditionally the... Um, voiceover uh, video game to movies have not traditionally done very well. This is an interesting concept that like, well, where was Drake in his twenties? Uh, because we first meet him when he's in his thirties, right? Charted three, they go back when he's like 15, 16 years old, something like that, uh, where he first met Sully, um, which they may take liberty with that, they're, but they're going to make their own thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great. 
I love Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of his. I don't really see it as Sully, but he's also been attached to this as Drake years ago. Uh-huh. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know if he's a Sully. I, I don't, I just, I thought I, it's hard to cast Sully in his forties. Um, uh, Josh Brolin, possibly. Right. Uh, I know he's a little older, but you know, like it, it's typically, it would have been more like a, a um, George Clooney would have been a great Sully um, in, in in his forties. So who's the okay. George Clooney? Gotcha. Uh, of of this day and age, um, I always like the fact that Sully was a little bit bigger, uh-huh. taller than uh, than Drake. There's something about there's something uh, that the side that relationship, um, and Mark may be slightly taller than. Um, Tom Holland, but you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. But I, I yeah, I, I like Mark Wahlberg, but I, I, I on the Sully, I mean, you know, I just don't know if he's Sully. But you know what? They're going to do their own take, and right. Wahlberg's going to bring his own um, iteration, I guess, of the character, and he's certainly an incredibly talented. Actor, producer. I mean, he's he's done everything. Um, so if anybody can can do it, make it work, and put a, a fresh slant, slant on it, then uh, Wahlberg will, will do it. Um, and Tom Holland, why not? The only person upset about Tom Holland uh, is my son Cooper, who always wanted to. I could do it. I'm like, well, yeah. I'm not a movie star yet, so yeah, that's it. Keep working on it. Yeah, I suppose. And, and people need to realize they need a you know they need. These cachet, they need the the, 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 the people like uh, that that have that kind of following. Right. I get asked that sometimes. How come you don't get to do a voice in a big movie like that? And I'll say, that doesn't mean I can't do a small voice in a big movie. But if it's a big mm-hmm. voice in a big movie, you want, you have right. to understand it's not about whether or not I can do it or you could do it. It's about who's going to bring attention to the role. You know, nobody right. cares about seeing me on a red carpet. And Entertainment Tonight and Access Hollywood are not going to track me down for an interview. And so I'm not going to bring clicks to it. That's what it's all about. You got to bring clicks to the project. And so, yeah, uh, there are a lot of young actors out there that would probably fantastic in the role, but they're not going to line them up. So, yeah, it's. And, you know, I, 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 I've seen Tom Holland in person at a convention. Um, I was going to talk to him and then just 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 missed each other. Right. Um, but a bunch of people I know personally, uh, got to talk and hang out with him a little bit and said, he's just lovely. So, uh, and he's a good actor. I like him. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he could, could do it. I thought, um, Taron Edgerton would have been an interesting choice too. Yeah. He's a little bit older than that, but he could play a little younger and he could, you know, so, uh, and I really like like his whole, uh, he's really you know, good. He comes across. Yeah. yeah, he's really good. I loved him in the uh, Chris Pine. Chris Pine, if they did it, yeah, today, like right? If they did, if they wanted to actually mimic exactly the games, right? Um, Chris Pine, I, I, I even told him that when we did Star Trek together. Yeah, uh, we were in the makeup chairs next to each other, and I told him, if you ever get a call about this Uncharted movie, I said, take it seriously. You'd be great at it. Yeah. What did he say? Hey, said, thanks, oh, man. He said, he said, yeah. Thanks for the tip. And I'm like, yeah. And I remember looking at him like, I know you don't need a tip, but it's just, yeah. I would like, it's, I said, it's a character I helped create. 
yeah. I would like to see you do it. I think yeah. you do very well. So that's where I came at from that point of view. But um, yeah, let's just let them just let them make their their version. Uh, you know, I, people say, "Hey, you gonna be in the movie?" I'm like, "I made four movies. I'm good." Yeah. Um, you know, and I and I don't want to be like you know, uh, telegram for Mr. Drake. I, and so walk off camera. It's like I don't need to be in a movie for that. You know. All right. So you don't uh, need to be the uh, the sort of meta walk on where everybody knows that's Nathan Drake. I would rather. I would love to be part of it, but I would rather be like, um, kind of like T.J. Miller was in Deadpool. Okay. You know, maybe I'm a bartender who's there who, who hangs with Sully. Right. You know, and but he's he's got a character like I'm the guy who they get their weapons from, or I'm right. the guy who gets them the fake passports. Something with some substance. Right. Not just like walking by, that was the guy who played Drake. And it's like, uh... <laughs> right. know, let me be one of Sully's old buddies, you know? Yeah. Like, like, or, 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 or even better, if you want to make it meta, let me be like, let's say the bad, whoever the bad guy is in their movie, his, his you know, you need a name for that, but maybe his second banana, you know? Right. Kind of like that guy, you know? Just, yeah. Just some real, who, you know, Sully takes out at the end in a big fight. But I like the bartender idea. Okay. It would be in multiple movies if it does well. Wahlberg, Holland, if you're listening, no under fives for Mr. North, please. That's Edgerly's job. I, I met with uh, one of the uh, directors uh, that was in line and was actually tapped for the Uncharted movie. I had uh, lunch with him, um, Dan Trachtenberg. Uh-huh. Um, and Dan is a, you know, we were talking about uh, my on-camera stuff that I had done. And he said, uh, and I said, but well, you know, a lot of the opportunities, you know, I, things kind of moved this way. So a lot of the opportunities weren't very good or, and just not very interesting. And I have, I get more interesting roles here. Mm-hmm. Something interesting comes along. I'd love to do it, but you know, just waiting to see. Yeah. And he said, you know, you, you might be surprised. He said more of the people who know Nathan Drake and know you are coming up as writers and directors because now they're of the age where yep. they're like, wait, I can get the guy that I loved in that thing. And, you know, so, you know, that's, that could be uh, my, like my Graham McTavish moment where my, you know, I'm not quite 50 yet, but once I turn 50, maybe that's where things will start doing that again. Yeah. I'm never going to leave this though, because this yeah. has become, you know, I, I love performing, you know, yeah. like I've said, it, put a camera, a mic, Live audience, I don't care. Um, you know, I, I I just like to perform, and um, you know, we just I just you know throw whatever comes whatever they they throw at me, you know, sticks. Let's go. Oh sure. Um, here's one from one of my mods, uh, Sego and Data. That's his. Uh, he is a Mohawk name. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, he's up in upstate New York. One of my main mods. Mm. This is a personal request, but I'm a big fan of Star Wars The Old Republic, and Nolan plays the Jedi Consular player character in it. Could you pass along my appreciation for bringing that role to life? It's one of my favorites, and I'd super appreciate it. So, big it fan. It is one of my favorites. Do you do, do you do Old Republic? I don't think I did. I don't think I did Old Republic. I did you like must have one... Got by then. I think everybody yeah. else has done it. That yeah. is an annuity. That is an amazing, nice. amazing game mm-hmm. that has been going on forever. Mm-hmm. And to play that, um, it was very simple because you literally go get your coffee or your tea. Mm-hmm. You sit in a chair and you can't, because it's a branching narrative, Right. you can't get too excited. And they'll have like 
the, the, the blasé answer, straight answer, and then kind of a darker answer. So I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. It's like that would be literally, but it can't get too negative. It, 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 it has to be kind of the same. You can never shout or whisper. It, it's, it's just a gift. It's mm -hmm. a gift to the voice actor because it, you go in and um, the director, uh, Darrow Farrell, has been doing it for years. He's a good buddy of mine. And uh, I love that. So I'm, I'm thank you uh, to your, uh, your to your mod there because uh -huh. it's, uh, it's, I'm going to keep doing it as long. They have to drag me away from that place. I love that that uh, that franchise. My annuity, again, you know, aside from the aside from the. The uh, the eight hundred pound gorillas um, is Apex Legends because it's a, yeah. it's an ongoing game with an ongoing story and three four times a year more than that every season we come in and record new stuff and so yeah when you get to be associated with a character that people connect with like that it's always awesome here's one from Big Bry eighty one what was Nolan's thoughts on the fan film that Nathan Fillion uh, that Nathan Fillion did with Alan Unger. Yeah, it was fun. You know, I think Nathan funded that himself. He's been a, I've worked with him on Con Man, a great guy. Uh, he's been a huge fan of the franchise for a long time. And, um, you know, I think he just, you know, he just wanted to have some fun, you know? And mm -hmm. um, he, you know, he pretty much ruined fan films for everybody else. It's, it's not, it's really, it's a, it's a fan film. And, um, you know, it's it's and it's well done. Um, I joked with him though because he did the kitty got wet wrong. Uh -huh. You hit and say, and when the guy's down, it's like you know, it's if kitty got wet is it like an and stay down line. It's like punch mm -hmm. and stay down. So it's punch, kitty got wet. And in this film, unfortunately, I wasn't there as a consultant. He went kitty got wet, and he hit somebody. So that was my only critique of it. <laughs> Other than that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he had he had like guns and he had explosions and stunts. It's a lot. Exciting. It's a lot for a fan film. Here's one from uh, White Wolf Fifteen. Hey Nolan, do you ever come out to Rhode Island? Obviously, before all the craziness, did you ever go back to Rhode Island? Um, I you know I haven't been back uh, in a while because my parents moved to Florida close to my uh, brother and, and get away from the winters mm -hmm. uh, about two years ago two and a half um the last time i was there actually was there for a convention uh rhode island uh, comic-con in providence and it's amazing to see the city and how it's changed over the years uh, it's, it's 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 night and day um and it surprised me i i, I could I, I still couldn't get over how there's something about being a teenager and like oh i gotta drive all the way to you know, cried uh, to one socket from where I lived. Mm -hmm. It's 15, 20 minutes. I know. <laughs> and and it, as a kid, you're like, oh, it's two hours. You know, Boston is 45 minute drive. It's like, it's 45 minutes. I don't get to go back as much as I, I like. Um, I got one of my, my best friend growing up is this guy, Frank D'Amato. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he's, he's still back there. And, you know, unfortunately, I mean, it's just, you know, life gets so busy. I don't even get to keep up with him as much as I'd like to. But, um, you know, he's, you know, I see him on Twitter and I, every now and then we'll be doing something back and forth, you know, just, but, um, 
Yeah, you know, I, I was born in Connecticut and went to Massachusetts, right? And then to Rhode Island for, for a while. So, um, yeah, it's still pretty much where, where I became a man. Well, yeah. yeah, we have people asking on here. Are you gonna uh, give Meister eighty uh, seven? Is asking, will Nolan and Troy come back to Manchester, UK? I'm buying the Guinness. Yeah, uh, yeah. Man- well, listen, Manchester is one of my favorite places. Uh, my um, neighbor that I used to live next to, but he's just still up the street. He um, uh, big Manchester United fan. His father, I think played for them uh, back in the day. And wow. He's still a season. He lives in LA, but he's still a season ticket holder. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> that's it's, helpful. It's, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Manchester's great. We have a great, um, the convention MCM Manchester is incredibly well done. Uh-huh. And they have an amazing theater that Troy and I have done retro replay live. It was actually where our first live show was. And we've done it uh, subsequently, subsequently there um, mm-hmm. in following years. Um, I don't know, you know, with the landscape of what's going on right now, um, a lot yeah. of things, Seattle was postponed. Kansas City was postponed. Uh, Wales has been uh, postponed. I had some other dates. Uh, Manchester was going to be a strong possibility. Um, but everything's up in the air right now with travel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you know, we gotta we got to be... I want this thing gone. Yeah. Uh, before I go anywhere. Yeah, there's no responsible way to put on a convention right now in person. You could have, no. I guess, I I would like to see what people do about that because I know you were doing quite a few cons and I was just opening up to them and I was going to be doing um, Vision Con 2020 in Springfield, Missouri in May and there's no way that's happening. So... I would like to see what they do to get around that. Do they maybe create these virtual rooms where, you know, almost like what we're doing right now. This is, I think of this as a two man panel at a con. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to open it up to have people have access to you? And yeah, that but, way they get the, as much of a con experience as possible remotely. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, the thing is, is I, I think the, for people it's you know they can see us on video and they can do that yeah. kind of stuff i think it's the one-on-one interaction that you like to have uh, the people who would go to cons uh, may tune to retro replay and you know we're going to keep doing content there and they'll, yeah. they'll still get to have they'll get their fix right so to speak uh you know i know there's uh, things like cameo that's out there and, i do cameo uh, yeah 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 i know and, and it's like um i haven't i haven't signed up for that yet because i just I've been, I've been meaning to, and then I like, you know, I just was like, well, I like going to the cons and, you know, I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, I want people to go, yeah, hey, I, I had to go come to the con and pay to do it, but I could have got on a cameo. I said, well, it's different. It's, it's in person. Yeah, it is different. Yeah. So, um, yeah. As I, and, you know, and eventually I'll probably do the cameo thing. I'm just, uh, I'm just going to hold out just a little bit. Um, I mean, if people really, <laughs> I just, I have this fear, like I'm going to sign up and like, Nobody wants to, you know. I had the same thought process. Right now, maybe they they don't want to spend money. Maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. You know. I told yeah. Sort of like, and I just you know. uh, I understand your thought process. I had the exact same one. This is before uh, the pandemic started. I thought. Do people really care? And yeah, and I tell people if you can't afford it, don't come on the stream. Enjoy that. 
But no, uh, I'm here to tell you, no, lots of people would pay for you to do a cameo video for them, especially well, now. Yeah, especially now because they're not going to be able to see you in person for. I'd, I would be shocked if anyone tried to put on a convention in the next several months. I think it would be reckless to, to do it. So I, I don't think it's happening. I'd, that's just me. I'm not a scientist. You know, the thing is, I, I'd love to see if, uh, if Cameo, I don't even know if they do, like where you can do a live interaction like this, like where you just do a one-on-one -on -one with somebody. It'd have to be you a know, stream or a Zoom. Yeah, a stream or yeah, a Zoom. A stream, yeah, like a live stream could be interesting. You know, yeah. I think that might be... You know, I was like, "Hey, I got, got to put five. We're gonna put, we're gonna put six, seven minutes on the clock." Yeah. Ask you questions. How are you? Right. Bring your friends in. Nice to see you. Yeah. That that would be kind of interesting if I could yeah. figure out a way to do that. Yeah, what we're doing right here is going to be a major part of what people are going to be watching from here on because they won't have access to you, and so mm -hmm. this is it. But yes, if you guys include a, a retro replay feature where it's more real time interaction. Then, um, yeah, yeah, it would be a stream because you no, guys no, do pure mail. Yeah, just you know, I just don't know, you know, because I'd like to see them, you know. Yeah. So if I'm seeing you, I'm like, hey, how are you, Chris? You can do that with Zoom, and the guys you're going to talk to later today, that might be worth throwing out there because with Zoom, you can see people and you can see multiple people, and so and you can get their reactions. So, uh, yeah, it's doable for both of us. What was your biggest hurdle as an actor earlier in your career? When you were starting out, what was the biggest hurdle for you? Starting out was easy. Uh, it was just making that commitment. So I didn't really struggle. I mean, I had a few jobs. I worked at one point three different jobs. Um, you, know, I, you know, just pick, picking up shifts at a bar, painting houses, uh, whatever I could do, just because I... As long as you take care of your responsibilities and that's what made it easy uh, because I was single and I didn't have a, a lot of overhead and it was so much fun just to, that, that I committed to doing this and, and not it wasn't a struggle people say oh it's a struggle it's like yeah I was broke a lot and mm -hmm. didn't have a lot but I got by and, and I was enjoying myself and I think the biggest hurdle though to getting to the next level of just hey, I'm an actor to, hey, I'm a working actor like, right. all the time, was learning to trust myself, uh, learning to trust that what I brought to the table was was enough. Uh, I remember one time I went in for an audition and I, I just nailed it. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. it was the best audition I've ever given. And I was on fire. I mean, they loved me. This was great. I mean, I, I, I was counting the, the dollars for this pay. And... Um, didn't get it. Yeah. And I, I was so upset. I went back to an acting coach I was working with at the time and I said, we're going to go over this. And I said, I don't get it. And I, I did the audition for him. He goes, okay, do it again. And I did it again. He goes, I know your problem. I said, what? He goes, you're, you're playing Dave the doctor instead of Nolan the doctor who happens to be named Dave. Put more, just be you as the character. Um, be, just be yourself under these circumstances with a different name mm -hmm. and, and see, so, you know, unless you're playing like some, you know, like, you know, some, even if it's an accent, it doesn't matter if you just, it takes away the acting. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing about it is I remember one time my worst audition, uh, was for a uh, big love on HBO. And I went in there on a callback with the producers, everyone in the room and I had to stop and I messed it up, messed up. And then finally the third one, I, I just was like, screw it. I, I, this is 
worst audition ever. And I just said it and did the right thing. And I left and literally got in my car, got about two blocks away, called my manager to apologize for how bad I just bombed an audition. Never happened again. I was prepared. They're going to call you and probably tell you I wasn't prepared. All this stuff. But I was. I just blanked. And I just threw it. He goes, okay. Okay, we'll try not to let it happen again. I said, okay. He goes, by the way, they've already called. They booked you for Thursday and Friday. And I'm like, how, how is that absolutely possible? So I go in to do that. I end up working with Harry Dean Stanton. Nice. Doing scenes with him. And it was unbelievable. And I remember on a break getting some coffee and the and producer who was in that room was there and he said, you having a good time? And I said, yeah, I got to be honest. I thought I bombed the audition. I have no idea. And he goes, oh man, we knew you were the guy when you walked in the room. Yeah. Just had the, 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 the look and everything. And, you know, we don't care about, you know, we could tell you could do it. You know, he said, I don't remember the audition. And I'm like, and I think as actors, we got to understand that it's like a pimple your own pimple, you're going to, oh, God, I got it. I can't go out. Look at that. It's, 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 and most people don't even see it. It's just a blemish that they don't see. We're so hard on ourselves. And I think that was the biggest hurdle. Once I stopped being hard on myself, trusting what I know how to do, trusting my instincts along with the things I've learned, uh, but just trusting myself more. And that's what happened with Nathan Drake. Again, where we let's bring it around full circle to the beginning of this this uh, talk was that became a defining role because I went in and just played. I just played like I was in the backyard as a kid, mm-hmm. and um, for whatever reason that that worked better than everybody else's, and I was the right fit. And you know, I'm 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 very proud of that role because it is so much of me mm-hmm. um, under those circumstances. You know, so uh, the sense of humor, the, the there were a lot of little ad libs here and there, but it was just the overall feel. And, you know, and, you know, Amy Hennig just ended up writing to who I am as right. a person. So. Um, so, yeah, I think that was the biggest hurdle. And once you get through that, you know, then it's, it's gravy. Yeah, I would second that because uh, in the beginning, um, it, it's going to feel like no one believes in you. So you kind of have to be the driving force. And if you're persistent enough, then your belief will keep you going until other people begin to notice. Oh, actually, yeah, we're, we're yeah, I, I didn't see a stand in there. I, you, you, you have to be around forever for them to suddenly notice you, it seems, unless you're just fantastically lucky. But um, yeah, it's true. Somebody on the chat noticed it. Chantel Van Santen, who is in two TV shows right now, who plays Wraith in Apex Legends, had a story so similar to yours. She said for um, uh, one of the shows she's on right now, uh, I think it's called For All Mankind. She said, I had the worst audition of my life. I kept messing the lines up. I was awful and I had prepared for it, but I just, I mean, I did the best I could, but they'd given me so much dialogue the night before and I thought, I'm not going to do all that. I'm not going to memorize all that. She said, it was an awful audition. I called my manager or my agent to say, I just bombed that audition big time. And the agent said, yeah, the agent said, I'm never going to believe you again because they just said, oh, she's perfect. They want exactly what you did in that audition when you go in. And she said, but that person can't act. I mean, I was horrible. And they said, no, you're perfect. Just what you did. So, yeah, Yeah. she brought herself to it. They loved it. There you go. Bring yourself. That's how it works. Yeah. Bring yourself to the job. Yes. I will say this. It's easier to trust yourself when you work at your craft. Then, yeah, if you're yes. bullshitting, then, yeah, they're going to know. They're going to know. 
So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's do one quick ad lib before we get you out of here. Pathfinder and uh, he's a robot. Yeah, he's a robot, and he's trying to find his creator. He has no idea who uh, his creator why is. Why don't I do Destiny's Ghost? Ah, a robot. Okay. And we'll go find this Sullivan that you're talking about. Okay. Well, this first, good. <laughs> What's your robot's name again? Ghost. Ghost. Say ghost. I have no idea who this Sully is, but he should be somewhere around a beacon. I bet he takes big shits. Wow. That's the last thing that Gibraltar said to me before we left the dropship. You mean drop shit? Wait. Everything I say is going to have the word shit or be some type of reference to fecal matter. Because that's what the best ad-libs do. Just wow. Just Crosby. <laughs> that, was, that was an old one, kids. Hoban Crosby. They used to sing scene, and they would dance. They were song and dance men. Bing Crosby couldn't do a show until he had a movement the size of Topeka. Bob Hope used to do bumps of Elkie Summer's ass. I was in Palm Desert one morning, and they were out by the pools, philandering. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm again. I'm going to tell you a story about Lou Wasserman and his town car. Used to be able to fit five stevedores in the back after he'd mickeyed them. <laughs> we've, we've lost the... Stevedores? Yeah. You brought stevedores in? Why not? Wow. Since we're going old-timey, wow. everybody keeps mentioning Richtofen. Uh Did you yeah, play the Red Baron? Richtofen from Call of Duty, but here's the problem. I have a meeting now with the other zombie killers. So right. I must bid myself off of this stream. If I only knew how to turn it off, I would hang up on all of you. But I can't, though. <laughs> uh, well, that's going to wrap it up. Let's do this again. All right, we'll uh, do this again. We'll do it again. It'll just be, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll find... I need to my glasses up. I know. We'll fine-tune it, and it's probably just going to end up being us just doing a bunch of improv, because that's it, we're just going to be on the couch back at the office. That's what it's going to be. That's pretty much all it is. That's, all, um, I, that's all I want to do at this point. So, all right. Nolan North, thank you for your time. This is the longest we've talked in a long time, because we've just been, you know, you're out there, and I'm here, and you're da da d with the whole schmear and me and my thing. TV. You and your and Nathan. In your fancy neighborhood. I mm. live in a sweat box out mm. here in the far distant reaches. I'm not going to say where. But the point is. Yeah, I don't say oh, where either. Muck. You got the back 40 that you got a, you, you got all your sharecroppers out there and you're I making your land. money. Hey, just. Uh, I wanted land. You got a nice piece of bottom land and you're fine. Okay. Now we're both from Mr. Saturday Night. All right. Everybody. Goodbye. Good luck. Thank you, Nolan North, for being here. 